Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Harold Coates of Fox 4 in Kansas City. Also, the co-host of Big 12 Weekly, the Big 12 show on ESPN+. Plus. We will get Harold's insights on the Big 12 Football Conference. Also talk about the Kansas City Chiefs when he joins us coming up later on in the show. Plus, we'll have Coach Post Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with our weekly pigskin picks against the spread as well as a look around the National Football League and in college football. We'll also have our Big 12 breakdown coming up shortly. And then uh, later on, we'll have our Tomfoolery story of the week. Plenty to get to. Thanks for making us a part of your day here on the Jonesport as Thomas Bridges joins me right now. And Tom and I, we uh, had a nice weekend, actually. We crossed paths as we... Uh, put a bowl in the summer of Jones this past weekend in uh, in Stilly as we went to that Oklahoma State Arizona State game. And Tom, I mean, we weren't going to let that weather rain on our parade. I mean, we had a, a very good time. Oklahoma State won. Bone Picking Stadium was packed. Uh, great atmosphere. Great uh, great weekend there. And you and I almost witnessed uh, on TV uh, Texas beating Alabama too. I mean, it was. Uh, a, a good football weekend, and the NFL starting too. All of it was just uh, just nice to take in. It was a solid weekend overall, and you got to try your first limey at the Copper Penny down there in Stillwater. And I liked it. The limey tasted like a Jolly Rancher. Oh yeah, what you you got the cherry limeade, I believe. I did. Yeah, and that's you know that's the way to go. So, uh, you know, Heartland. If they're listening, they you know that wasn't a real limey. So you you got you got your first real limey experience, and I would drink it again. I yeah, they're good. You know about three of those, and yeah, you might you know don't don't doesn't take very many of those. But uh, yeah, like I said, styrofoam cup, gotta have the styrofoam cup. Uh, that's the that's the kicker, uh, and you you also got the uh the old Tom Bridges experience down at, at Willie's and the other bars that we went to got you some Coney Coney, <laughs> Coney Island as well. You had the, you had the full Stillwater bar game experience. It's been a while since you had that. So can I make a confession on the show, Tom, is this a safe place for me to do so? I, I, I think you can tell them about the order at Coney Island. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're at, at the uh, the Coney Island, uh, me, Tom, and Billy, uh, friend of the show, Billy Locke. And Tom always mentions that, you know, I'm pretty ballsy, right? You know, I'm I'm willing to go out there and, and do things, you know, do things that Tom and others would not do. And so we're at this Coney place, and I ordered two Coney's, and a drink and you know that's all i want and it should be pretty fast to order you would think right shouldn't take very well i'm sitting down and uh the guy next to me tells me that he's been waiting 45 minutes for his conies are you gonna be kidding me and at this point tom we're what 45 minutes from kickoff we got right we're, we're, we're going to meet billy's mom 
right over at the stadium to and go shout in. Shout out Glenda, by the way. Glenda Lock getting us the tickets and taking care of us. Billy and Glenda, wonderful people. Uh, we had a great time because of them for for setting us up and getting us in the game and everything. But so we're at this Coney place, and I order my two Coney's and I'm waiting, and I'm thinking, okay, well we gotta leave soon. Let me just go up there and talk to them and see how long it's going to be. And uh, I see my name on the screen, but I'm at the very end of the screen. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be a while. And uh, the guy uh, says says to me, he's like, he's calling up orders, and he says, uh, Jason. I'm like, and uh, and I just kind of look at him, whatever, and, and he's like, uh, for Jason, and just hands it to me. And I'm like, and this order, not what I ordered. It was tots, a coney, and a burger. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm Jason now. And I just took it and ate it and, and walked out. And uh, I enjoyed Jason's meal. I hope Jason still got his, but I didn't see Jason anywhere to be found. So I guess for that moment, Tom, I was Jason Jones. Oh, we'll start calling you JJ when we go out to the restaurant. <laughs> Maybe I should get a fake ID that says Jason. There you go. That's, that's and only you. But you know, it worked out. I'm sure. I don't think Jason probably wasn't. Oh, maybe he was going to the game. Maybe he got your order. Maybe Jason left. Maybe he got tired of waiting. Had to go to the game. It could have. I mean, I guess at that point you had already paid for it too, so it's not like you could just go without. But yeah, hey, that or Jason wasn't. You know what? I'm glad that I had the burger in the Coney because I'll be honest, the Coney, the chili tasted like Hormel chili. It wasn't anything to write home about. So there you go. It's probably still better than Skyline chili, but <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's uh, would be wouldn't be hanging out with Tyler Jones without a Tyler Jones ex- incident. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I'm just glad that I didn't run into Jason. Uh, I hope Jason still got his food and he's okay. But, um, the guy assumed I was Jason and I didn't say no, you know, I just kind of went with it. So, uh, but you know what? We had a good time, uh, at the Oklahoma state game and the Cowboys looked good. They won and, uh, a nice finish to the uh, summer of Jones. We're back to football season now, uh, full time and, I uh, I raced home, Tom, made it back to Dallas before 2 a.m., and then was back in the office for NFL Sunday. No other way uh, I would want it. I drove home in the rain. You drove back to Tulsa in the rain, and uh, it was all good. It was uh, definitely a, a grand old time. Right. Now we can, instead of the fall of Jones, we'll just start the fall of Jason. The fall of Jason. <laughs> Freddie versus Jason? <laughs> right. That's uh, That's only if you get – Somebody else's order at Freddy's Burgers. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, but this weekend, Tom, this one I pulled off, and, and you were you were a part of this. I uh, I started out Friday night at a pool party in Dallas with uh with, with some friends with some coworkers. Then after that, drove to your place, stayed the night in Tulsa. Uh, we watched the Texas Alabama game together. Then I drove to Stillwater, went to the game, left Stillwater, drove back to Dallas, went to work the next day, and uh, I got through it, worked till about 10 o'clock that night. Um, 
And I got to tell you, I'm not going to leave my couch this weekend. I think I'm just going to stay pat here after that time. Great time, but I think I'm still in recovery mode. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you one bit. Uh, you know, that, you know, I mean, you did a lot of driving. That was quite the, quite the effort. That had to be about 12 total hours of drive time, if not more. Oh, yeah. I got very familiar with the road, and the road got very familiar with me. I can tell you that much right now. Uh, Tom, let's begin uh, on the NFL side of things today. Uh, week one of the NFL season, the books. Week two beginning later on tonight with the uh, Chiefs and the Chargers set to do work. And just looking back at this first week of football, I mean, it was just something else. It was something incredible. I mean, to think that Baker Mayfield and his loss to the Browns, where I thought he played fairly well and brought back that comeback, that was what probably like page nine or 10 of the sports section in the USA Today, probably. I mean, there was so much that went on. It was a great weekend of football. And we'll talk to Bo about this more later on. But, I mean, quarterback play was, was not that great. I mean, the common theme I think you saw, and I didn't think this would be the case, was that we saw teams that if they didn't play much in the preseason, they didn't look great. They struggled a bit. Um, the teams that looked good this past weekend – were the well-oiled machines that went through the preseason. I'm not a fan of the preseason. I know nobody is, but I hate to admit it, the, the preseason played a factor. I mean, if you played in the preseason, unless you weren't, unless your name's the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you probably, if you did not play in the preseason, you probably struggled week one this past week. You know, that's what it really looked like, and there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, good, I can tell you, from the Rams, I don't, think Stafford played at all in the preseason uh neither did a lot of that defense and it and it definitely showed I you know I say that as I really just paid attention to the Rams preseason but I know a lot of other teams did not play starters it's a it's a fine line to cross though you know do you want to get players injured we've seen it happen all the time we even seen the NFL move the preseason from four games back to three games um and so it's a fine line. You know, you don't want to risk your players getting hurt in a game that doesn't mean anything. Uh, I guess if that means you start a little bit slower to the season, then, you know, you, you hedge, you hedge your bets where you need to, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then like, you know, the, the revenge games that we saw this past weekend, uh, you know, was, uh, was it the other interesting storyline for me when, uh, you saw of, of what occurred of some of these, you know, revenge games of sorts. We mentioned that the Browns and the Panthers, but then, you know, the Ravens taking on Joe Flacco was, you know, a whole interesting story in its own right. Uh, Geno Smith getting that win against Denver and Russell Wilson, uh, you know, playing in that one and, and everything that made there, I mean, the, the storylines this past week, I would say, Tom, week one lived up to the hype. I mean, if you're a, a fan of the story, the story of the game, uh, there was a lot of stories that were told. You know what I mean? 
I, I hate to bring it up to you, Tom, but I mean, your Rams, you know, we talked about last week that they were kind of disrespected and everything. And the Bills just came in there and you know, just punched them in the mouth a bit here. I mean, the, the Bills made a statement. There was a lot of stories and messages delivered in this week one. Yeah, there was. And and I don't know, you know, for both Super Bowl teams, they kind of had a hangover of sorts. You know, Stafford played maybe the worst I've seen him as a Ram. Um, that maybe the worst or second worst, one of those. And, you know, the defense wasn't, anything to write home about either. And then you look at Joe Burrow and the game he played was terrible. So you had those two Super Bowl teams getting their ass handed to them. Granted, I, I get that the Bengals didn't lose near as bad as, you know, that they did to the, to like the Rams did, but still bad quarterback play on each end. You know, I know we talked about a lot last week of how we thought Baker was going to go in and just, and, beat the you know call the call the hogs home against the uh against the browns but that didn't happen you know you, you mentioned the seahawks russell wilson back to seattle and the booing i mean there were storylines all over week one and and you know maybe it'll be it seems like a calmer week two not not near as many stories that i can think of at least um but i mean yeah jam-packed weekend Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, that is uh, certain. And uh, looking ahead to this week, uh, let's kind of, you know, just break these down one by one, looking ahead of this week's games. Chiefs and uh, Chargers, Tom, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Um, a lot of talk about this Chargers team, and I like this Chargers team a lot. But you want to talk about messaging and everything here. The Chiefs. Looked really good last week, and now I think their toughest competition in their division right here, they can send a statement that they're not going anywhere. To me, I think, Tom, this game is more important for the Chiefs than it is the Chargers right now. Yeah, you know, especially being at home and, uh, you know, I think this division, uh, you know, with how tough these teams are, I, I say how tough they are, granted that Denver – may lose on the count that their coaches trash and um you know the Raiders you know Raiders like Derek Carr had some rough times against the Chargers last week but I think they'll be okay uh I think a lot of this division is is one the toughest division in football in my opinion and two uh, a lot of these games are going to be split and so for the Chiefs you got to make sure you at least win the one in your own house right I think that's absolutely right. Uh, looking at some of these other games, Bucks and Saints, I don't know what the hell is going on with Tom Brady right now. And, you know, missing practices. And we know about that that gap that he had uh, there, you know, in the middle of training camp. The Saints did not impress me at all last week. They are the home team, and they've kind of had the Bucks number. You know, they've won – six straight regular season games here. Tom Brady has not beaten the Saints since he arrived in uh, Tampa in the regular season. He beat them in the playoffs, obviously. But uh, with that said, Tom, I mean, the uncertainty, th this thing in Tampa is just so weird right now, and we don't have all the answers. Yeah, and, and I think if if – let's say Tampa just started losing or didn't play so hot, you know, we'll talk about this game later on in the show too, but uh, you know, if, 
Tampa did beat Dallas. I know Dak got hurt. Dallas did not look impressive, but you know you could say maybe the same thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they, you know, they got the job done, but they didn't look overly impressive uh, by any means. I thought Brady to Mike Evans was good, but you know, other than that, they didn't look like you know super dominant. But I, I Jones, I think if it something was to happen or Tampa Bay just started losing or started playing really poorly. Uh, then a lot of people would be starting to question Tom Brady and what you know what's he what's he really doing? Um, you know, winning's the cure for is a cure all. So I guess until they, you know, stop doing well, then I guess let him do whatever he wants. He is Tom Brady, but that doesn't excuse him to come back after he retired and then I don't you know play bad. I mean, is play is there bad. any other player, Tom? in the entire league that would be able to be allowed to do what Tom Brady's doing right now of, you know, just being in and out being checked out. I mean, and would still be, everyone would be like, ah, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe what Aaron Donald, is that it? Yeah. I was going to say him or, uh, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. This, this is, a, this is a stretch, but maybe, somewhat close of what Tom Brady's doing. Maybe Aaron Rodgers could get away with. Maybe. That's it. Yeah. It's I'm waiting for answers here. I don't know what's going on, but something's weird is going on there. Um, some of these other games here, Panthers and Giants. Uh Tom, both these teams think that they can be playoff teams. Uh, but more than likely both of them probably aren't really that good. But if you're the Panthers or if you're the Giants, you know, Baker Mayfield versus Daniel Jones here, whoever it may be, if you're going to be a playoff team, these are the type of games you have to win either way, whether you're Carolina or New York here. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, with the way that the Saints played even last week, I think if you're the Panthers, this is a must win, you know. Um, I, I don't think you can – you're already asking a lot to get out of the division. Um, if you're a Panthers fan or if you're, you know, even if you're Baker Mayfield to, you know, we just talked about Tom Brady being checked out maybe, but at the same time, talent level is not near as what as maybe the Saints have, at least on defense and what the Bucks have on offense. So uh, I think more so for the Panthers for sure. You know, maybe if you're the Giants, you see a slight door opening considering Dak just got hurt and Dallas and the Eagles aren't going to be at the top two. It, it kind of leaves that second door open. We know the Eagles will be should be fine, but you know for the Giants, I I think maybe I don't know if you're if you're I'd love to hear I I don't know any Giants fans, Jones. I'd love to hear from a Giants fan to see how they're feeling about the season now that Dak went down and Dallas might not be all that great. You know, uh, ironically enough, I know a decent number of uh, Giants fans. Uh, got a coworker that's a Giants fan. My old boss Lawrence is a Giants fan. Big Al Jerkins. Uh, of uh, formerly a channel two in Tulsa. He was just texting me the other day about his first place giants and how oh, excited he was, you know? So, so they're, uh, they're feeling good about it, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Patriots and Steelers Steelers. Uh, the defense looks great. I hope TJ Watts. Okay. I like TJ Watt a lot. Uh, Drabisky played fine. Um, look, the Steelers are well coached with Mike Tomlin and We've seen them go through 
peaks and valleys before. They always find a way to navigate. The Patriots are kind of a mess. Right now, they did not look good last week against Miami here. I fully expect the Steelers to win this football game. And if that defense plays like they did last week against a good Cincinnati team, I mean, watch out. I mean, what we thought was a rebuilding year in Pittsburgh, just watch, Tom. I mean, this still could turn up where the Steelers are contending for a playoff spot at the end of the year. I don't think anybody would be shocked by that at all. Well, yeah, too. You know, they, they win one in Cincinnati against uh, – I believe it's in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Yeah. And, you know, so there's already one division win. And then, you know, you look at the Browns, which is – granted, they beat the they beat the Panthers, but okay. But the Browns are beatable for sure, obviously. Uh, the Ravens, up and down. You know, you don't know. Granted, the Ravens beat a bad Jets team or – a, a not above average Jets team. Uh, I'll give them a little credit, I guess, maybe. But that division is is winnable, and it will. You can Steelers could get second place in that division for sure, and maybe mess around and find themselves in, in in first place. I like what Mike Mike Tomlin hasn't been there forever for no reason. Um, I like what you said about peaks and valleys. I mean, he's he's seen it all. Mike Tomlin has. And he still he still manages to find a way, right? Yeah, for sure. Colts and uh, Jags, Trevor Lawrence and company uh, lost last week to the Commanders. Had a chance to win that game and it went away. The Colts end up in a tie with the Texans in Matty Ice's debut there in Indianapolis. Tom, that division is pathetic. It is so bad. Um, I mean, you could have an 8-9 and nine team, or I guess the Colts can't be 8-9 and nine, or the Texans for that matter. But you could have an 8-win team maybe even win the division. I, I think the AFC South right now looks like the worst division in football. Oh, it easily is. I mean, it's it's not worth watching. Yeah. Dolphins and a Ravens. This is a sneaky good game. It's not on our pick'em slate this week. Um, but it's right on the outside looking in. Two of last week. Played all right. Tyreek was good. Ravens looked good last week. Um, they're supposed to get J.K. Dobbins back this week. Interesting matchup here, Tom, when you look at the uh, the situation of the, Ra- the, the Dolphins' offensive line, which is just terrible, against the Ravens' front seven, which is really solid. To me, that's, that's the difference in this ballgame. It's not about Tua. It's not even about Lamar. To me, I think there's a big advantage the Ravens have in their their front seven versus the offensive line of the Dolphins here. I mean, including last week, the Dolphins in the last three seasons, Tom, have have given up have given up 42 sacks to Tua. Tua has been sacked 42 times in the last three seasons. I mean, yeah, it's surprised. I'm not surprised he's, you know, been beat up. So, I could be – I like your sneaky good game comment. I think it's a good litmus test for both teams. I think so. Uh, Falcons and Rams, Tom, both teams are uh, one and one The Falcons are not very good. I know that they, they played fairly well last week when they lost to the Saints. Rams looking to bounce back. Uh, after that performance – 
I'm concerned about Stafford's elbow. Are, are you concerned there? What do you think of this Rams team right now? I'm not, I'm not concerned about Stafford's elbow. I, you know, I maybe some talk of that just because how bad he played. I think Sean McVay went back to the drawing board. I know they made some changes around on the offensive line. I fully expect the Rams to come in and, and win by 17 points. Uh, if they if they don't, if the Rams don't come out hot, uh, something's wrong in L.A. Seahawks taking on the 49ers. Seahawks coming off an emotional win, beating Russell Wilson and the Broncos last week. That game felt like the Seahawks Super Bowl. The 49ers looked so bad last week in Chicago. Trey Lance did not play well. Niner fans are all over Trey Lance's ass. Um, big test for Trey Lance here, Tom. I mean, if you're Trey Lance, this is your fourth career start. You're going up against the Seattle team that's not very good. You're at home. Trey Lance, he has to play well this week. If he doesn't, the cries for Jimmy Garoppolo are going to get real loud. Uh, yeah, definitely for sure they will. And and I, if you're a 49ers fan, you can't, you know, Trey Lance, brand new, the weather. I mean, it was like playing in a flood um, at Soldier Field. So I, I'm i not. see the video of the guy trying to eat popcorn? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm not I'm not holding out. I'm not holding out any judgment um, or I'm withholding judgment rather on the 49ers until I see what they do this week. Okay. Uh, moving on uh, a couple more games to uh, get through here. Uh, Bengals and Cowboys Cooper rush going to get the start. Thomas his favorite quarterback uh, going against Joe Burrow and the Bengals road game uh, for Cincinnati. Uh, there's no reason why Tom Cincinnati, all things considered looking for a bounce back game. Cowboys without Dak and how bad the Cowboys looked last week. The Bengals should win this game big, and if they don't, then they have some issues. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, they'll put digs on Chase. Chase probably be limited, but that receiving core is too good not to dominate this this offensive-less Dallas team. Uh, a few more games we want to talk about here. Cardinals and uh, Raiders, both teams 0-1, looking to – Get back on track here. Uh, Tom, Derek Carr, three interceptions last week. Now you go up against Arizona here. I mean, Derek Carr, he, he's kind of like a glorified game manager, right? I mean, you're not asking Derek Carr to go out there and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Just don't turn the ball over. And, you know, make some plays from here, here and there from time to time. That three interception performance last week is what every Derek Carr doubter points to. I think Derek Carr is just fine. I'm not a fan, but I'm not a hater either. But that type of performance last week is exactly what the haters will point to. That's exactly what they're talking about. I mean, yeah, I think I think the Raiders will be fine. And, you know, you, you, they faced a, a tough Chargers team last week and, you know, still had a shot at the end to maybe do something. I thought Devontae Adams was good. I think the I think the Raiders will be just fine. I'm not a Derek Carr fan or hater. He's just kind of one of those quarterbacks that just is. <laughs> I think that's well said. Uh, Bears and Packers. Bears win last week. Justin Fields looked really good. Uh, Packers, I don't know what the hell happened there against Minnesota. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, he just owns the Bears. Uh, Tom? History tells us this one's going to be ugly. I know 
Rodgers and his new receivers and Kevin A, they weren't really connected last week, but Rodgers at home on Sunday night against Chicago, um, this could be a bloodbath. Yeah, it could. And and I think the, the Packers get Alan Lazard back this week, and I expect to see a lot of targets his way. I, I think the Packers will figure it out. I think so. Monday night doubleheader, Titans and Bills. Titans lose a close win last week to the Giants. Bills uh, last week were phenomenal with Josh Allen and company. Uh, we'll pick this game kind of up later on, Tom. But I got to tell you, this uh, this Bills team is something special. I mean, yeah, they're they're the the Super Bowl favorites, and they looked like it last week. I mean, it, it feels like the AFC is the Bills and then everyone else right now. Uh, I mean, after that first game against the Rams, they have a right to that statement. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Vikings and Eagles, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts. Tom, which quarterback would you rather have? Would you rather have Cousins or Hurts right now? Depends. Do I have Justin Jefferson or do I have A.J. Brown? Uh, I'm not telling you who you have. I'll take Kirk Cousins. Okay. Okay. Um. To me, whatever quarterback plays better, and I don't know who the better quarterback is right now. Um, whatever quarterback plays better, I think is going to win that game. So there you have it. That's a, a look around the National Football League this week. More NFL talk coming up. Harold Kuntz going to join us uh, to talk Chiefs. Also, we'll have our uh, football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group coming up later on in the show as well. <laughs> It is time for our Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look around the Big 12 conference this week as we uh, want to break down the latest headlines and also heading into this weekend in Big 12 play. And Tom, uh, this past week, the, a couple of the storylines stood out to me. And then I'll ask you what, what your storyline was. Obviously, Texas hanging in there with Alabama, you know, as exciting as that was for Texas, um, we saw a couple years ago, they went toe-to-toe with LSU, ended up being like a seven-win team, and LSU won the national championship. We've seen this before. Yes, it was a good performance by Texas, but for God's sakes, this does not mean Texas is back, okay? There's one game. Not saying they aren't, but slow your roll here, folks. So that's one thing for me. Uh, also, Kansas, great win against West Virginia. That offense is for real. Jalen Daniels, terrific. Kansas making some noise this year. I don't know if they're a bowl team, but they're much improved. And they are going to be uh, a thorn in a lot of teams' side in the Big 12 this year because they're going to make things hard to win. Happy for Matt Campbell. Finally able to beat Iowa. Wasn't pretty, but got it done 10-7. Um, K-State, nice win against Mizzou. Really played well all the way around for them. K-State could be a surprise team to compete for the, the Big 12 title. Oklahoma, uh, I didn't like what I saw from Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Dylan Gabriel is that guy, personally, if, if he's going to get the job done for Oklahoma to get to where they need to go. Oklahoma State, slow start. Defense looked much improved from last week. And then Baylor losing to BYU. Road game, 
to a future Big 12 member wasn't a bad loss. Baylor could have won that game, sure. But I'm not selling Baylor just yet because they lost a close game to a good BYU team on the road. Um, They still could win the league. You know, it doesn't affect them in league play, obviously. But if you had Baylor as a playoff team, those chances are slim. But it's still as a Big 12 team, they still certainly have a shot. So those are a few of my takeaways from this week in the Big 12. What about you, Tom? What stood out to you? Jones, it would have to be K-State for one. Um, I know Mizzou's a bad team, but the way K-State's been kind of handling it, uh, I like their chances to be one of those teams that that ruins, you know, either Baylor or OU or Oklahoma State um, when they go play. I, I, just, I believe OU goes and plays in Manhattan. I know Oklahoma State does. I don't know where that Baylor game is. Uh, OU gets uh, K-State and Norman this year. Oh, well, good on them uh, because I am dreading as an OSU fan having OSU go to, to Manhattan because K-State looks like they're not messing around. Um, Oklahoma State defense stood out to me. They looked much improved. I don't know how good that Arizona State team is. I think they're, eh, you know, nothing crazy, but it was encouraging after the Central Michigan game. You mentioned Texas. Uh Quinn Ewers stays in that whole game. I think they beat Alabama. Um, You know, is Texas back? I'm not ready to say it. Quinn Ewers is out for, what, six weeks probably. Um, Texas be a lot really interested in how they play UTSA this weekend. Uh, You know, mindset I think is a lot. You lose a close game like that. See how they bounce back. UTSA is not messing around either. I, I fully expect Texas to win that game, but uh, you never know. Um, Matt Campbell, Iowa, Iowa State, that game finally gets over the, the hump. That was maybe one of the uglier games um, in general to to, to watch uh, this weekend. Again, the game was cheeks. I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, that's that's one that yeah, sure. If you're an Iowa State fan, you don't care if you you could somehow even win by a half point. You're just happy that you won it. Um, but not a game that you would be wanting to watch on TV by any means. Um, Baylor, you mentioned BYU. BYU goes to play Oregon. Could very well topple Oregon at Austin Stadium this weekend. BYU's not messing around. They know what they're about. You go and play Provo late night. That's that's a tough ask for anybody. That Baylor team lost a lot. And, uh, you know, going on the road like that this early in the season – I'm not shocked that they lost that game, and I think Baylor will be okay, but I think you're right about the playoff. I think they're likely out of it. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, before we look at this week's slate, let's go ahead and get to our uh, hot takes for this week. Uh, Tom, uh, your Big 12 hot take for me. I am going to say my, my Big 12 hot take is that, that Dylan Gabriel is not good enough. Um. I, I've seen in two weeks, and, and granted, I'm going hot take here, too much inconsistency. Granted, he's with a new team and everything, new head coach, but this is a system he knows, an offensive coordinator he's familiar with, with Jeff Levy, who he played under at UCF. And I got to tell you, maybe Oklahoma, I'm just too used to seeing them with guys like Caleb Williams, Jalen Ertz, and 
you know, uh, the likes of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. But Dylan Gabriel is not of that class. I, I do not think that he is an elite quarterback. Um, you know, he, he could be good enough for this year to potentially get them to a Big 12 title game, but it, it doesn't. he doesn't feel like one of those guys. And maybe I'll eat my words later on in the year, but uh, he feels like he's cheeks to me. Like, it doesn't feel like Dylan Gabriel – is your typical Oklahoma quarterback? Is that too much of a hot take there? No, I would actually agree with it. I don't. I, I think I'm still giving him a chance, but I don't think it's too too far fetched to say that. Still pretty hot, but there's still a long season to go. I guess my hot take this week would also have to be uh, about the Sooners, and I I think Nebraska is going to give OU a run for their money in Lincoln. Um, maybe you'd say that's not too hot, but I, I like Nebraska to cover. I do too. 11 points. I mean, that's what Nebraska does, right? It comes within single digits. Um, by the way, Scott Frost, how about that? Getting the bag, getting seven and a half million dollars to get out of his job two weeks early that he would not have gotten otherwise had he gotten fired next week. I mean, that takes some skill. I mean, for Scott Frost to still get all that money, for them to want to chase him out that bad and still cash in on that paycheck, I mean, more power to him. Good for Scott Frost. <laughs> yeah. They got fortune tellers in Lincoln knowing that they couldn't let him go once Nebraska pulls off the upset against OU this weekend. Jokes aside, but, yeah, I mean, hell, I, my job wanted to let me go for that much money, then, you know, I'd, I'd pack up the office – for them. They wouldn't even have to walk me out. I'd run. Right. All right. Let's go through the uh, Big 12 slate of games this week. We mentioned Oklahoma and Nebraska, this game in Lincoln. The first true test for new Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables. Uh, they're making this road trip. It's a rivalry game. We don't see these two teams play very often anymore, though, but it means a lot for these fan bases. Nebraska, not a very good team, but they play hard. They make things interesting. Tom, um, here's how I see this game playing out. OU starts slow. Nebraska hangs in there, and then we see Oklahoma pull away. You know, it's – I could see this being a, a three- or four-point game in the fourth quarter, and Oklahoma gets it done. You know, they, they close up shop and – make this closer than it should be. Talent-wise, Oklahoma on talent is two or three touchdowns better than Nebraska, at least, I think. But I think they're going to play down their competition lip. They're still figuring themselves out. I think that's how this shapes out. Oklahoma wins this game, you know, anywhere between eight and ten points. Yep, I can see that. That's about spot on. I'd, I'd probably say, you know, they – but the way that they started slow against Kent State, I, I don't think they can start that slow against Nebraska in, in hopes to to not have that Nebraska crowd going pretty crazy. And I'm sure enough Sooners will make that trip too. Um, you know, being in Lincoln, rivalry game, um, early kick though. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, OU start to pull away maybe in the fourth quarter where they kind of – maybe not by – too many points, but they control the game, and you know that they'll win. Uh, I'm thinking 
between seven and ten points, something like, you know, 28-21, somewhere in that realm. Uh, let's go through the uh, the blowout games we expect. Texas State and uh, Baylor. Baylor favored by uh, 30 here. Uh, Texas State coached by uh, Jake Spavadol, by the way, uh, Tulsa native, uh, son of former Broken Arrow head coach uh, Steve Spavadol. Uh, if you're Baylor and you lose a heartbreaker like that, best way to get back on track, beating a Texas State team here. This one should be ugly. Baylor should be just fine here. Yeah, with not a doubt. West Virginia taking on Townsend. West Virginia 0-2. You lose a heartbreaker to Pitt. You lose in overtime to KU last week. Um, Townsend's 2-0. I honestly do not know how they stack up with the rest of the FCS. I see FBI gives Townsend about a 4.3% chance of winning. Um, you know what? Neil Brown, if uh, – if you want to go ahead and just pack your bags now, you could just go ahead and give this one to Townsend. I mean, it, it, it now, Tom, like I was saying last week that I think Neil Brown's going to get fired. I think now after last week, it's not gone from if, but when he's going to get fired. Yeah, just with the with the play calling and bad decision making. I mean, I, you know, if 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 they get – if they play this game close, if this game is not a blowout for West Virginia, I don't know if any coach has ever been fired after a win. But Neil Brown could potentially become the first if this game's close. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State taking on Ohio. That game at 1 o'clock Central Time in Ames. Um, Iowa State last week, the offense wasn't pretty. Uh, they got the job done to beat Iowa 10-7. Week prior, beat SEMO 42 to 10. Um, Iowa State, a young team, a lot of young talent here. Uh, this is a good tune-up game before this uh, this Baylor game coming up the uh, week week following here, Tom. Yeah, I think so. And it'd be interesting to see what Iowa State does after winning that just uh, adrenaline filled, I'm sure, for at least Matt Campbell win over Iowa. Were they going to have a rivalry game hangover or are the I think those should be fine against a team like Ohio Tulane and K-State K-State looked great last week in that win against Mizzou now you take on this Tulane team who's 2-0 and and we know Tulane can score points and they give problems with their spread option offense that they run there uh K-State here Tom I think is going to be tested more than people think this game is going to be a shootout a lot of points here uh, for the Cats, and uh, we're, we're going to find out more about Adrian Martinez here. Martinez looked great last week, and with the way Nebraska's going here, Adrian Martinez is uh, looking pretty nice right now. Yeah, he is, And but, you know, back what you said about Tulane and them giving teams problems, uh, if, if it was me, I'd, I would take Tulane over Mizzou right now, so I think this is going to be a greater test for K-State than – even what Mizzou was. Yeah. Um, Tulane gave Oklahoma some trouble last year. Uh, they're enormous. KU taking on Houston. Houston, a uh, nine-point favorite. Houston lost a heartbreaker to uh, Texas Tech on the road last week. KU coming off a big-time win against West Virginia themselves. KU's got the highest-scoring offense in the country right now. 
Jalen Daniels was called a Heisman contender by Dennis Dodd this week. Houston favored by nine. Tom, uh, as a betting man, and maybe a home or two, maybe a little bit of both, I'm riding the way with the Hawks right now. I don't know if they win, but they can put up points, and they're playing exciting football. Lance Leipold's doing things we haven't seen in Lawrence in a very long time. Dana Holgerson got in his team's way last week. Um, the truth of the matter is, the better coach in this game is not Dana Holgerson. I think it's Lance Leipold. I think KU can keep it within that nine-point margin here. It's going to be a good game, sneaky good game here. Yeah, I think it will be too. And, and you know, hell, Houston should have, could have, would have lost to UTSA in week one in the Alamo Dome. About did. That game went to three overtimes, I believe. Um, not saying that Houston's a bad team and really – really going to give more credit maybe to UTSA for playing Houston that close, but KU should be able to cover the spread on this. Be very shocked if they didn't, and they might even start the year 3-0. When's the last time that happened? Uh, it has been a while. OSU taking on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff has a 0.3% chance to win this game, according to FBI. If you're OSU, through two games, you've been two completely different teams. Um, they were great offensively week one, but their defense was pitiful in the second half. Week two, offense started slow, came along later, didn't play great. Defense played really good. I think if you're Oklahoma State in a tune-up game here, Tom, you're hoping that you can play a well-rounded game, that both sides of the ball can put it all together, and there's no excuse not to against an opponent like Pine Walker. Yeah, and I think most importantly for Oklahoma State, um, you know, you play this Pine Bluff team, you're almost a 55-point favorite. Uh, it's very important that OSU comes out of this healthy. You got a bye week after that, and then you go to Waco. Yep. Yep, indeed. Uh, Tech taking on NC State. And uh, the Red Raiders coming into this game, heavy underdogs. I know that they got a backup quarterback. But to win like they did last week against Houston, uh, you know, to pull that one off and now take on this NC State team, which I think is one of the most overrated teams in the country. I really do. Uh, I know that NC State was in the preseason polls in the top 15 for the first time in a long time. But I can tell you this much, NC State is frauds. I'm not saying Tech's going to win, but they're competing. NC State is not that much better than Texas Tech in actuality, Tom. No, not. I mean, th you're talking about an NC State team that was a missed field goal away from losing to East Carolina and really should have. Um, East Carolina has always been pretty tough and gritty, but, uh, yeah, I, Tech should cover. They, they should. And they. I would not be shocked if they win this game on the road. It is it the late kick, ESPN2. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not be shocked. If Tech pulls this off, but I, Tech should cover. Texas taking on UTSA. Doesn't this feel like the typical Texas letdown game after the emotional high of the Alabama game? Now you take on a UTSA team that's not bad. You're not a heavy favorite. Only twelve and a half at home, and this team is really banged up. Ewers out for a while. Hudson Carr is even banged up a bit um, all the way down the line here. I, I think UTSA, 
you know, we, we talked about earlier that Texas, if you want to prove that you're back, you can't be having these moments where you go from giving everything for Alabama, but not being ready to go for the ne- very next week. And history tells us, Tom, that UTSA should make this interesting. Not calling it a win, but history says that Texas is due for letdown, letdown here. Yeah, would not be shocked. You're talking about a UTSA team that should have, could have, would have beat Houston. That game was three overtimes. Then this UTSA team pulls it out against Army at Army last week in another overtime game. This UTSA team is gritty. They're battle-tested, and, and I don't think they're going to be – they're not going to be scared against Texas. They ain't scared. I can tell you that right now. All right, so that's your look uh, around the Big 12 slate of games. Harold Kuntz said to join us from ESPN Plus's Big 12 Weekly and Fox 4 in Kansas City in just a few moments from right now. But before we get to that, Tom, uh, real quick, on the uh, Big 12 slash SEC front, the SEC sent a directive to Georgia and Tennessee to postpone their series with Oklahoma Given the given Oklahoma's move to the SEC, now they claim it's because Georgia and Tennessee would not be able to fulfill their obligation of the you know home games that they would get in return that wouldn't be able to complete the contract, and so they've been told to void it. Oklahoma's already found a replacement opponent for Georgia; they've replaced them with SMU, and. Tom, I look at this, you know, you could sit here and say, well, you know, they they had to do that because of the, the second matchup. I mean, you don't do that, Tom, if you're in Oklahoma's case, I don't think, if you're staying in the Big 12 to sacrifice your non-conference. Because if you're Oklahoma and you go from SMU to being your best non-conference opponent next year and then playing the Big 12 slate, you're hurting your playoff chances a lot. If you go from, okay, we can't play Georgia, we're going to play SMU, but now instead we're going to play Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Alabama, yada, 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 whatever, then okay, that makes sense. To me, like, you don't send that directive from the SEC unless the ball is rolling that Oklahoma and Texas are gearing up to playing in that league next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's – Heavy on the foreshadowing vibes, right? Uh, I mean, logistically, what this would tell us is that they are making their way out after this season. Right. And I think, too, you know, you, you talk about bragging rights and all that. If you're these remaining Big 12 teams, you know, the the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs of the world, I think – consider this year your last shot to get your last, you know, chances at beating Texas and Oklahoma and going out with bragging rights for a while. Consider this year, that year to end the story and write the final chapter. This is it. Like when Oklahoma state goes into Norman in November, just go ahead and pencil it in right then. If you're an Oklahoma state team, if you're Mike Gundy, whoever, just go, might as well go in ahead of time thinking this is your last chance to beat the Sooners. Right, and, and a lot of people thought that maybe it was last year 
after that bedlam win and what a treat that would have been. But uh, yeah, there's going to be, I, I think more stuff will come out on this story too. I think maybe more information will get leaked in a certain way that we'll kind of know, especially by November, what the real deal is going to be. But, you know, right now it seems to be that way. Um, and hell, I might be at that Bedlam game if it's the last one for oh, the better part of over 10 years. Right. It's going to be longer than that. Well, and, and one thing, Tom, I, I don't think it gets talked about enough. You know, you and I, we're excited about these new Big 12 members, right? Cincinnati, oh, yeah. BYU, Houston, UCF, potentially some Pac-12 schools down the line, too. I mean, all that's very good. Um, but one of the most embarrassing things for Oklahoma and Texas, and especially Texas, because it's more likely for them to happen, to lose to one of the Big 12 newcomers. And we just saw last week BYU beat the reigning Big 12 champs. I mean, if, if Oklahoma and Texas stay, I would bet money that one of the two would lose to an incoming Big 12 member. Maybe both of them lose to an incoming Big 12 member. It's going to happen, and I, I, I just don't see Oklahoma or Texas wanting to go through that personally, especially if you're Texas and it's Houston that you lose to. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of ego in those universities. You, they're they're going to avoid that from happening at all costs if that means leaving the er, league early, I think. Yeah, and, you know, back when this first came out that, you know, that, that the Big 12 could leave, I always thought that they would leave when the new Big 12 members came in because I I thought that BYU, you know, what if what if OU has to go to Provo next year if they stay? What if, you know, Texas has to go to Houston and play and then they lose? That's It's not worth it. Um, and as much as I'd love to see it happen, I can see it from their perspective that, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go to Skyline, Chile, Cincinnati, and lose, and then <laughs> walk, you know, and walk into the SEC and say, "Hey guys, what's up?" We're like, "Oh, weren't you that team that got beat by the Mormons? Weren't you that team that got ran out of at, in Cincinnati?" You know, it's, it's too much. It's too much risk. We're out of Cincinnati, not onto. Yeah. All right. Oh man. Uh, coming up next, uh, Harold Kuntz is going to join us. Great conversation ahead with him as uh, we'll be talking plenty of Big 12 football. You will not want to miss it. That's coming up on the other side. <laughs> Joining us now is a very familiar friend, Harold Kuntz, Fox 4 in Kansas City, also the new co-host of the Big 12 Weekly Show, available on ESPN+. And he joins us right now. Harold, good to have you back. What's going on, my friend? Glad oh, do, you're going well. Do, yeah, doing well, Tyler, man. Thanks for having me again. Of course, uh, Harold. Uh, you get a lot on your plate these days, I see. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. I'm, the full gamut, too, because I, I, I teach in college along with the Big 12 show. So I keep up with college. And then, of course, we do high school football on Friday nights, a show for Fox 4, along with duties of covering the Chiefs for Fox 4. So. A lot on the plate, but, you know, they say this is a busy time of year, so we get it done. But I fit, I fill in some off days every now and again just to make sure I can keep my sanity, really. Love it. That's great. Uh, Harold, I want to start uh, on the Big 12 side of things. Uh, and uh, tell us about this uh, show you got going on uh, on ESPN Plus here. Where can people find it and everything? 
Yeah, so it's on ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. And it's the Big 12 Weekly Show presented by Old Trapper. Old Trapper, of course, is beef jerky. And we basically recap the week that was in the Big 12 and preview what's coming up in the Big 12. We'll have interviews from uh, some student athletes. We'll have some uh, press segments called What's Your Beef, where we bring in some well-known names like Jimmy Carlson, Joseph Duarte, Max Olson, and Blair Kirkhoff uh, to get talk shop really with the Big 12 and what's coming in the in the future of the league and the future of each week in the Big 12 season. It's really fun. You know, it's our third episode. We're getting it kind of off the foot, getting our groundwork going, but we've got the backing of the conference. So that's one really cool thing. It kind of was, it just popped into, uh, I got a call one day randomly. I was actually in Vegas for a convention. And I just got a call randomly and said, Hey, you want to do this work for the ESPN plus? And I was like, okay, sure. May I ask how you found out about me? <laughs> but no, it, it's good. Cause you know, I've been, in big 12 countries essentially the last 10 years. And right. I'm one of the few people that can say I've been to mostly every big 12 campus. Uh, of course, when the new ones enter, uh, I'll have to revisit that uh, lineup there. Cause I've been to Orlando, but not UCF. I've been to Cincinnati, but not university of Cincinnati. And, but I have been to the university of Houston at least. So I'll have to revisit that, but yeah, it's, it's good. You know, talking about a conference that I've grown to love over the last 10 years. And, and it's good to now be on a platform like ESPN plus, personally for myself that I can uh, be on so people can see me and my parents don't have to like ask how to pull up the episodes on fox4kc.com instead now it's like oh yeah ESPN plus we got that so <laughs> that makes it easier nice uh just as long as they can figure out the Roku then uh <laughs> that takes time with the old folks but I figured it <laughs> believe me uh I was there uh when I did the gig for ESPN plus uh you know a couple months ago and trying to walk people through that yeah I, I know what you mean uh, Harold, uh, let's start out on that, uh, that big 12 front, uh, this league, a, a couple weeks in, what are your takeaways from the start of a uh, football season here so far in the big 12? Very successful so far. I mean, just look at the results. Iowa state defeats uh, big tens, Iowa. You have Oklahoma state defeating pac 12s Arizona state. You have Cal- uh, TCU defeating Colorado. Texas keeps it very close with Alabama. And really you could argue you could have won that game. And then Kansas State defeats the SEC's Mizzou. So, so far, great results. Right now, the winning percentage is number one out of a, uh, facing autonomous five conferences. Right now, you've got a, the first ranked strength of schedule. And right now, they've had the most wins against uh, un, they're undefeated against unranked teams right now. So things are going very well for the Big 12. It's not a down year by any stretch of the imagination, which means it's going to be a very competitive Big 12. I mean, you look at a team like Baylor who lost on the road at BYU. BYU is notoriously really good during the beginning of the season and had a really hostile atmosphere in Baylor. If they don't have 14 penalties for 117 yards, they probably come out of there with a win. So, and that's a tough place to play in, in Provo. Oklahoma looks their normal selves with the exception of maybe the first quarter against Kent State. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State's looking like they're progressing. Kansas State looks good. I mean, the whole league really looks good. I mean, Texas Tech and Kansas, both teams that are predicted to be ninth and tenth in the league, they've really stepped up. And Kansas looks completely different. And Texas Tech with a backup quarterback and Donovan Woods, he's looked impressive. So, so far, the returns for the Big 12 have been pretty excellent. Yeah, I think so. Let's start with Texas. Uh, competed toe-to-toe with Alabama there. You could argue they should have won that game. And Quinn Ewers, of course, goes down in that first half. He was looking really good up until the point he got hurt here. Uh, Texas, you know, you didn't get the win, but I'm sure that team, even with the injuries and everything that unfolded, 
have some positive momentum here, something to, to build off that uh, performance against Alabama here. Absolutely. Their offensive line was kind of a question mark. They had a lot of five-star kids on that offensive line, but they really protected pretty well throughout the duration and held up throughout the duration of that game. The defense had a lot of question marks too, especially in the secondary, but you know, those guys really produced. I mean, if the corner blitz comes to a sack, we're looking at a situation where Alabama doesn't win that game. And then it, it's really indicative of what Steve Sarkeesian's brought into the table. He's brought that SEC mindset to Texas, which they're going to need going forward into the SEC. And that signals to their players they can compete. And you mentioned Quinn Ewers. He was on fire. I believe he was like 8 of 13 before the injury happened. So it, it was it was a great effort from Texas. Of course, they're not going to take any moral victories out of that. And they've got a, a pretty decent test this week in UTSA in terms of a get-right game because UTSA won a conference last year. So and they've got a veteran quarterback. They'll come in motivated coming in from San Antonio, making the short trip to Austin. So plenty motivated UTSA, but I think Texas now knows, hey, we're on to something. I think we're good. They're going to try to avoid a letdown, but it was nothing but positives you can take away from Texas. But Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference did mention something that his former boss said, which is rat poison. You might have heard his former boss say that a couple of times. He's hoping to avoid the rat poison Saturday in Austin against UTSA. Yeah, and uh, yours uh, looks like he's going to be out for a while, but whenever he does return, Harold, uh, the way that he played against Alabama, uh, I mean, the way he stepped up, Texas, they have themselves a pretty dang good young quarterback here. I'm intrigued to see what he does when he comes back here. Yeah, he was good. He was really good. I mean, he was firing some darts there uh, early on. You could tell a lot of it was just – they had this game plan in for a while. Let's be frank. Texas didn't really prepare much for Louisiana Monroe. They spent most of the offseason preparing for Alabama. And there is some inside knowledge there at Steve Sarkeesian. The question was, could Quinn Ewers be the guy that everybody thought he would be coming out of high school and, you know, having that one year at Ohio State where he just sat, basically. Uh, he had a couple throws, but he sat, really. Essentially, he didn't play. So there was a big question mark there, and he was on fire. He really was. I mean, he was throwing darts. He was throwing real well. He was finding open man's uh, when he, he didn't have to read through his progression as much because the guys were open when he was there. He's got great talent on the outside, especially with John Robinson in the backfield. So he's got a lot of work with, uh, unfortunately, four to six weeks. We'll see what happens if he's back in time, maybe for the Oklahoma game down in Dallas. That could be a potential uh, thing to look out for. But they've got Hudson Card in, in hands. and he, he did a good job. He'll be a game manager. And then they have a, a backup from Austin High. Uh, third string, he might be ready because Hudson Carr's kind of banged up a little bit with an ankle. I mean, that's one thing about playing Alabama. You might come out on top, but you're going to be pretty banged up. And Texas has got some nursing injuries there. But I think Hudson Card, if he game, manages the game well, gets through this early slate that they've got, especially in the Big 12, they might be able to hang on to, before they get Quinn back for the Oklahoma game, if that's what it's looking like. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Sooners, uh, slow start against Kent State, but they end up uh, finishing strong there. Nice performance uh, against UTEP. And going into this week against Nebraska, I know Nebraska's one and two, and they fired Scott Frost, but a rivalry game, we don't know when these two teams are going to play again. Nebraska has been known to play teams close. Harold, I'd be shocked if Oklahoma's not tested on Saturday, at least on the road here. They should be just because that's what Nebraska does, as you alluded to. They just play close games. I mean, that's what the Scott Frost tenure was, and I expect nothing different, especially since they're going to Lincoln. It's going to be a great atmosphere. You know it'll be packed as they always are at Memorial Stadium. But this is just a different look Nebraska team. 
you don't know the motivation they have after a new coach. Maybe they're fired up and ready to play for them. Maybe not. Um, it's, it's a different week. It's a different person, you know, that's leading the meetings. It's a different person that's, um, you know, leading them out into the field, a different motivator, if you will, for them. Does he have a better motivation tactic? Sure, maybe not. Who knows what Mickey's capable of doing in Nebraska. But we know this, Oklahoma has some things to work out because they've had a couple quarters. Let's take the second quarter against UTEP, and let's take really the first two quarters, or really the first 27 minutes of that Kent State game where they looked absolutely putrid. They know they're capable of doing things and making quick strike plays, but they're still kind of gelling with under Brent Venables and that new staff they have in. So you see what Jeff Levy wants to do on the offensive side with the offense and Dylan Gabriel. You see it come to fruition. You see Marvin Mims. You see how outstanding he can be. You see Theo Weiss and how outstanding he can be, but they just do it in doses. You have to get a sustained effort. I look for Oklahoma to keep that sustained effort in Nebraska and win this one by a couple scores. But, again, it's just going to be tough because they are facing, you know, power five-level talent that Nebraska does have. But Nebraska's offensive line and defensive lines have been – honestly, they've been awful this year. They're, they're not Nebraska-like at all. Uh, it's bad. They got dominated up front by Northwestern. They got dominated up front by Georgia Southern, who's really in a rebuild mode. They're not even supposed to be a good Sunbelt team under Clay Helton. So it, it's going to be a fascinating game to watch for a little bit, but I do expect Oklahoma to run away with this one. Dylan Gabriel uh, coming in at quarterback – I, I've seen some good. I've seen some bad from Dylan Gabriel. What do you think of uh, Dylan Gabriel, this uh, Oklahoma offense at this point, Harold? It's just a consistency. I mean, as, as, as I said, the first half against Kent State, that wasn't good. I mean, and, and no offense to what Brent Vittable said about, well, Kent State has a good defensive front. Quite frankly, Oklahoma should have a good enough offensive line to give them right. time to create. So, Again, using those weapons like Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, uh, a, a good backfield that is, uh, you know, King's doing well back there in the backfield, the running ball. But it's it's one of those things where they've got to just show it consistently. I mean, the second half is what they can be. You do got to do more of that. The first quarter against UTEP is a lot of what they can be. You got to show more of that. You, you can't run into Nebraska and then, you know, the following week when they play Kansas State, you cannot afford to do that against teams that, We'll, we'll catch up on you. They have talent that, you know, is prepped better, coached better, and, and, and really can take you to town. Yeah. Uh, Harold, I was at the Oklahoma State game on Saturday and watched the, the game against Central Michigan. I feel like I saw two completely different teams in those two games. First game, offense is incredible. Defense left a lot to be desired, especially that second half against Central Michigan. Then last week, defense plays really good. Uh, and the offense was just peaks and valleys, slow start. I guess they, they kind of finished strong there, but this Oklahoma State team, you know, we, we talked about consistency with OU. I don't know what is going to show up uh, week to week, and part of that starts with Spencer Sanders too. Yeah, I mean, part of Spencer Sanders' battle has been consistency. He came into the previous season, I think 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions are, are around that mark, and and now it's just about consistency, holding on to the ball, not turning it over. So far, so good. He did have the one interception against Arizona State, but they got to hold on to the ball. And if they hold on to the ball, then the offense can operate. He's a senior now. I mean, he's been in the he's been in the game for a bit. He's got the experience. He's played in the Big Twelve games. Now it's just go out there and do it. And 
really, it's been nice to see that Spencer Sanders has really a hole on the ball, but the offense has exploded the way it has. You mentioned that first half against Central Michigan. That team was on absolute fire. And then you see the second half against Arizona, they were on fire. Of course, they're going to be on fire this weekend against uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff because that's, I mean, that that's almost got shades of the Savannah State game from almost a decade ago when it was 82 nothing written all over it. But right. Yeah, it, 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 it's all on him. And I mean, the defense is still kind of learning each other. It's, it's new parts. You know, this is not the defense that had Jim Knowles who went to Ohio State. It's not the defense that had the talent like Malcolm Rodriguez or Rodrigo, if you watch Hard Knocks now. Um, it's, it's a lot different now. So, but they've got guys. They've got, I mean, Mike Gundy said that he says Brendan Ewers and, and Brock Martin. These are guys from Bixby and Uluga, Oklahoma. These are home. These are, these are country guys. And I love what Mike Gundy said about the guys feel like they've been in their league, they've been around the league for 10 years and go smoke a cig and come back in the game and just play. That's just how tough they are, you know, kind of to rub some salt on it, if you will. I mean, that's going to have to be, they're going to have to be a scrappy defense. They're going to have to fight for what they get. They get some turnovers against Arizona State, which is a good thing, but they're going to have to fight for what they get. And I think that's Oklahoma State, just, that's going to be their MO, scrap. And if they continue to scrap, they're going to be a really good team. But they're going to have to scrap and bring their A game really the whole time. They have to show consistency as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Harold Coots joining us uh, this week as we're talking about the uh, Big 12 Conference. And a couple more things here, Harold, before we uh, move on here. I want to ask you uh, about my Kansas Jayhawks off to a 2-0 start. Big road win against West Virginia. Looked really good against Tennessee Tech. Uh, Lance Leipold and company with the nation's number one scoring offense right now. <laughs> is all of this sustainable? Is this Kansas team legit? Interesting test this week against Houston here. I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for, for KU right now? 55 and a half points, I believe, they're averaging. They're not going to average that the entire season. Let's calm down there. That's not going to happen with the Jayhawks, but – you do have to get excited about Jalen Daniels, the way he's playing so far and the way the offense is designed. It's going to be run first. I mean, they pile up 297 yards of offense against Tennessee Tech in the first game, albeit it is Tech, and they really don't have much drop-off against West Virginia. They compile 200 yards of offense. They're going to hit you with Daniel Highshaw. They're going to hit you with Devin Neal. They're going to have a little bit of Savion Morrison. And then Jalen Daniels himself is kind of a run-pass threat option too. They, looked, they made West Virginia look confused. They had a muff punt that kind of changed that game in there in Morgantown. But to go on the road and show some resolve in a place that really is one of the toughest places to play just because you're so far away from the rest of the conference and you're not going to have any visiting fans there but maybe you know, 100, 200 people, it's a lot different. And they showed a different mentality. Lance Leipold said after the Tennessee Tech game, this team was already preparing for a West Virginia game almost in the second half. And watching Kobe Bryant, I mean, Kobe Bryant wanted to return that interception for a touchdown, even though the smart players get down. I think they want to make a message known. Now, they have an opportunity to make an even bigger message at Houston, a Houston team that feels like they bit one in the dust against Texas Tech. They absolutely had no business losing that game. They gave up a fourth and 20. They had a blocked return for a touchdown that was returned back because of penalty, because of roughing. They had a lot of things go wrong in that game. And that's why they lost in overtime. So Houston's going to be motivated to get back. Kansas is going to be motivated. They have confidence, which is something that Kansas team hasn't had. And they just got better coaching. I mean, look at the last five coaches that KU's had with the Turner Gills and the Charlie Weiss's and Les Miles. Of the world. All five of those coaches they have beforehand combined for zero wins on the road. Lance Leipold already has two Big 12 wins. So they have the confidence there. They brought in people from winning programs, even if it's like a Miami of Ohio or a Buffalo or Ohio State. They brought in some guys that like winning, and they, that's permeated through that room. So they've got guys in there that are used to winning now. 
and I would expect Kansas to win some more. Now, bowl game, who knows? But they're going to compete every game until maybe the lights turn out or injuries come out or they just get fatigued over the course of a season. But they're competing right now, and that's really the biggest thing that you can take out of Kansas this football season so far is that they are competing and they're playing as good as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniels has been terrific, and the way that this team's played, uh, hopefully they can keep things up there for uh, for a while. I'm certainly excited to see that. Um, a couple other Big 12 teams I want to ask you about. K-State, Baylor, you mentioned K-State. Really impressive win against Mizzou. Baylor falls to a good BYU team on the road. Which team do you like better right now? Uh, do, do you like K-State, their trajectory going forward, or do you think or do you like Baylor better? Or like them to bounce back after that BYU loss? I, I mean, I like both. I know that's not the the the, the, hard, the easy way to answer, if you will, but I do like both. I am particularly impressed with Kansas State. I expected Missouri to keep that game a lot closer. The Kansas State threw them out of the park in Manhattan, quite frankly. They had Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou's club just confused. Uh, they gave up the early field goal, and after that, that game was essentially over. They ran through them. Adrian Martinez, though, needs to improve. That's where I have my biggest doubts about Kansas State because right now he was, he was 9 for 20 uh, with less than 100 yards passing against Missouri. You can't do that when you get stiffer competition. Now, again, they might be able to get do the same thing again against Tulane this weekend, but they can't do that. Baylor still impresses me, though. Uh, again, that was a tough place at BYU. BYU is notorious for starting the season, uh, and then that kind of that hard schedule they schedule for themselves kind of falls apart toward the end. Um, I, I mean, for instance, they're playing at Oregon. I know Oregon was crushed by Georgia, but still playing in Autzen Stadium, different, different, completely different animal. And BYU's got to play there. But it's going to be very fascinating to watch Baylor go forward and how much confidence they have in Blake's shape. And, and penalties were one thing, but there were some times there where you think, oh, they should have thrown the ball, and they wanted to carry the ball. They still carried the ball 52 times in that game, which tells you how much they had real confidence in shaping on the road. And then even – uh, their head coach, Dave Miranda, says that, yes, an act, a road atmosphere, he saw the eyes get a little wider there. So they were a little intimidated by Provo. And they're going to have to get used to that because they play road games all this year. So they're, they're gonna have some, that's something they're going to have to get used to. So I think I'm impressed by both teams in terms of the pieces they have. But I'm still impressed by Baylor just because of the overall talent they have and the fact that Kansas State needs Adrian Martinez to really step up. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Harold, uh, at this point, two weeks in, still very early, obviously. Who do you think is the the team to beat? Who is the best team in the Big 12 as of right now? Well, I'm still going to stick with my preseason prediction. I went with Oklahoma. I know that seems like the obvious picks for a lot, even though Baylor was the preseason number one pick. But I still think Oklahoma's got the goods. When they piece it together, they still got talent oozing across that board. I mean, Dylan Gabriel with Jeff Levy, it worked really well in UCF, and now he's got better talent across the board with them. So Levy's offense works. It worked in the SEC. I see no reason why it can't work in the Big 12 or this version of the Big 12. And then when they get Ted Roof and Brett Venable's hands on that defense, they're going to get better as the season progresses. So I still think Oklahoma's got the upper hand. It's unfortunate they won't have the uh, stellar non-conference game or marquee non-conference game that they thought they'd have when they scheduled Nebraska eight, nine years ago. But it's one of those situations where they still, I still feel like they just got the talent uh, to do it. And I think the Big 12 champion is going to have a loss for sure. It's too deep of a conference to have a loss. I mean, there's 10 teams in that league. It's going to look mediocre at the end, but 
But there's 10 teams in that league that really compete and get after it. I mean, we look at West Virginia, they're 0-2, but you could argue they should have had Pittsburgh beat and they should have Kansas beat. So, and they'll get on the board this week, I'm sure, against Townsend. So it's a very competitive conference, but I still think Oklahoma just has the talent and the depth to kind of get through it. Yeah, I I do. I agree with you. Uh, I think you're right on that. can be very competitive, but we'll uh, see what happens. Shifting gears now to the NFL, the team you cover, the Kansas City Chiefs, just looked phenomenal last week against the Arizona Cardinals. And it looked like, Harold, that, this offense has not skipped a beat with uh, without Tyreek Hill here. How's uh, how's Patrick Mahomes adapted without having uh, his top target from the last couple of years? The same, very well. It's really plug and play. I mean, if you watched enough practices in St. Joseph where they hold training camp, you'd know that everything was smoothly operated. This is an on-him offense now. Andy Reid gave him the keys when he got all those guys together in Texas and did all their off-season workouts together in Texas. They didn't come here. And they didn't pick up scrubs either. Let's not forget Juju Smith-Schuster, a very good receiver in Pittsburgh before he got injured. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, one of the better options for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Those guys are in red and and yellow now. Uh, Sky Moore, an exciting rookie they're very happy about. McCole Hartman has some explosive play potential. They have him. And he's got already good rapport with the fifth wide receiver, Justin Watson, even though his time might be limited because of a chest injury. So they've got guys. And then you watch Clyde Edwards-Alaire come out of the backfield and, and have a good game. You watch the young rookie Isaiah Pacheco. He has a good game. He leads the team in rushing, even though most of it was in the second half when the game was out of doubt. This is just really going to be the, hey, it's not going to be a one-minute, 20-second drive, but it's going to be like a three-minute, 20-second drive where you, you keep the defense stressed. Um, Arizona had a unique game plan in the fact that they blitzed almost half of their possessions. And we all need to know about blitzing and Patrick Mahomes. He thrives on that. So it's going to be a lot different for the Chargers with the knowledge they have. They're not going to blitz as much. They've got a better defensive front. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the edges. It's going to be a fun watch with Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley trying to guard those at the tackle positions. That's going to be the most fascinating watch, quite frankly, on the offensive end. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, quite frankly, on the offensive end. And then let's look at this new look defense. Uh, young guys. Uh, Trent McDuffie's out. He's going to be out with a hamstring injury. That unfortunately happened on the turf in Arizona. So they look toward Jalen Watson. They look toward Josh Williams. Next man up. But I think there's just more togetherness with this team. There's more um, – there's, there's, it's more of a forcing Mahomes to not go to one guy. Now, granted, there's still that one guy out there. His name's Travis Kelsey. You might have heard of him. He's pretty good. But it's forcing him to not be like, all right, when all else fails, let's go to Tyree. No, right now the defenses are stressed. They don't have enough film right now. I mean, Brandon Staley even admitted, uh, the head coach of Chargers even admitted, yeah, we, we don't have much film because, look, they played a couple of preseason games, they played Arizona. They don't know yet, but the Chiefs have the advantage of knowing what they have. And that's going to carry them pretty quickly in the beginning of the season here. It might carry them until about, oh, when they play the Bills. Uh, and, and then that's going to be a very fascinating matchup because those two teams right now, they look like completely unstoppable. And it, it, it's interesting. But, no, there's no drop-off in Mahomes, going back to your question. there's There's never been – I think that got misconstrued because they're like, well, what are they going to do about Tyreek Hill? Because he's so fast and he plays well. Well, there's other guys that are pretty fast too. And Sky Moore is pretty fast. McCall Harmon's pretty fast. Marquez Valdez Scantling is pretty fast. There's plenty of guys out there that can do damage and he's going to find them. He's more of a quarterback that elevates others. And everybody thought maybe one person elevates him. He's elevating others. And then, you factor in that 
Andy Reid is still there last I checked. Eric Bieniemy is still there last time I checked. You bring in Matt Nagy to the fold as his old quarterbacks coach when he's a rookie. He's still there last I checked. There's a lot of good offensive mind there. We thought the offense was going to heck last year, and they still rode off, what, a nine-game winning streak? Right. There's no problems with the Chiefs whatsoever. Yeah, I think if someone's more likely to have an issue, it's by far Tyreek having to take passes from Tua Tunga Viola. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that marriage is going to end up well for – Tyreek having to play with Tua when it's all said and done. I'm much, I, mean, I think Mahomes is going to be. Think, I think Tyreek will make Tua better. I mean, he still had over 90 yards receiving in that game. He was targeted 11, 12 times, I believe. He's going to make Tua better uh, because eventually it's going to get to a point where it's like, hey, I'm going to get open. You just got to find me. And that would be right. in Miami Dolphins. But I mean, they off to a great start because they played New England, who doesn't have an offensive coordinator and looked like a team who didn't have an offensive coordinator. Right. Matt. I mean, uh, I, I can't take anyone that, that has a laminated play card and a pencil on the rear seriously, like Matt Patricia. You know I mean? Like, to me, that's a non-starter anyway. But uh, as far as Mahomes goes, you mentioned that, you know, th- this team is still a well-oiled machine and everything. And, and I said this a while back, Harold, I'm sticking to this, that the Chiefs' offense, you're going to see a more efficient Patrick Mahomes of, with going to the short passing game, by not forcing it downfield and just hoping that Tyreek can, can bring it down, I think the turnovers are going to come down. The Chiefs should be able to have more scoring drives. To me, like, I'm not going to be the one that says the Chiefs are better with Tyreek Hill, without Tyreek Hill, but I'll sit here and say that I think we see a more efficient Patrick Mahomes out of the process of not trying to force things that aren't there. Well, if efficient isn't 30 for 39 for 360 yards and five touchdown passes, then I don't know what, what is efficient. Right. Uh, I know there was a PFF poll out there that had him as the seventh or eighth ranked or whatever. I didn't really pay much attention to it. I, I just know that it happened, and I think it was stupid. Yeah, Quite stats fun. are for losers. Yeah, so it's, it's just you, you watch, you watch the, the, the play. You watch through his preseason games. This is a guy that went – however many drives, like nine drives, including preseason with a score. Like it's, it's revenge season for him. He may not, well, he's not going to admit it in public, but it's revenge season for him. There's a settle to score. And right. it all stems from that second half against Cincinnati and what's been said about him by Tyreek and some others. They listen to the noise. So it's a revenge season for him. And he wants to go out there and prove it. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of prove it games coming up for him. And he's just going to know real quickly that, Hey, this is what this is the expectations here. Nothing's dropped off, and I think the players know that. He knows it, and they they continue to strive forward. This Chargers game coming up Thursday night. I like this Chargers team a lot. I love what they did in the offseason, and Justin Herbert, I'm very high on. Harold, uh, what a matchup we have here, and just one of s- several great tests that the Chiefs have here in the uh, AFC West this season. The AFC West is a very tough division, even though Denver and Las Vegas both lost uh, this week. But it's not like they lost much. I mean, Raiders lost to the Chargers even despite turning the ball over three times. And the Broncos had five different ways to win that game and blew it for some reason. So, it's still yeah, it's a very competitive division. It's good quarterbacks in it. And the Chargers are the one where Justin Herbert, you know, he's trying to prove himself as maybe a top five, top – six quarterback in the league. He's got to break over that wall. So he's got a lot of prove it years too. I mean, he's got a strong arm. He's mobile, not nearly as mobile as Kyler Murray was, but he's, he's got a strong arm. He's sturdier. 
and he can make some throws. Now he's going to be without Keenan Allen. That's going to hurt them, but he can make some throws, and he's 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 a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback, and he operates around the same way. You know, Brendan Staley. The one thing they've got to look out for is he's going to have some fourth downs. I asked Justin Reed about this, uh, the safety for the Chiefs, the new safety, and he said, yeah, you got to look up for those fourth downs because they're just going to pop up out of nowhere and go for them, and it stresses the defense. So it's a lot of things the Chargers do to confuse you. They're going to go guns a-blazing because this is a division game. They know they want this one. And let's factor in two of the last three trips to Arrowhead. They won. So this is nothing that they can take lightly for. Now, they haven't had a Thursday night game before uh, where it's going to be juiced up and it's going to be the home opener. But, again – the Chargers are no slouch, absolutely no slouch. Even though they haven't made the playoffs, they're no slouch. They always have the talent. Um, you look down the line, each unit has some great talent. So it'll definitely be a tough test. It's going to be an interesting game. I still go Chiefs with the home field advantage, but this is going to be a lot different than the Chargers or Cardinals because the Cardinals, quite frankly, looked unprepared. The Chargers will be very prepared and very motivated for this. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Harold, before we go, we, we – uh... When we've had our previous conversations in the past, I would always bring this up at the end. So I figure we would reiterate this. Uh, is there anything you'd like to get off your chest? Any, any <laughs> or anything that you have on your mind? Oh, man. What's grinding my gears? Uh, don't ever do three jobs in one four month period. That just is not good. Uh, it creates a lot of. Uh, Creates a lot of uh, 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 stress, and you you realize every now and again you're getting texts from students about assignments, and then you got this and that and the third. So, yeah, I would suggest not doing that. And if, whenever you get an off time, take advantage of it and turn off your phone. So, <laughs> so but yeah, I wouldn't do that again. Uh, if, if if offered the opportunity next year, I'm going to say no, sir, or no, ma'am, to that offer. Uh, but the contracts were signed this year. I couldn't get out of it. But next next time. I, I can't do that anymore, Tyler. That's 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 tough. We're already near near the end of September, and I'm already I'm already like, let's go home. Let's get let's get some off time. <laughs> and he, he still answered the phone for us on his off day to be here on uh, on the show this week. Uh, Harold, you're a real one, my friend. Uh, always a pleasure chatting with you. Check out the uh, the Big Twelve show on ESPN Plus if you're in Kansas City. Watch him on Fox Four. And uh, maybe go take a class from him at Avila University while you're at it, too. You know, why, why not? Uh, Harold, thanks for the time, man. We'll, we'll talk again down the line. Appreciate you joining us, man. Always a pleasure, Tyler. Thanks. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 uh, to schedule an appointment today. You can also reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. It's brian with a y.oconnor at lpl.com. He is the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on the Studio Soapbox Network, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And he joins us right now. Bo, uh, first full week of NFL action, second full week of college football, but the sales never stop at O'Connor Advisory Group. No, man, we're still helping folks out, man. You need some help. We're here. You know, the markets went crazy early this week. You know, we had the big drop in the market on on Tuesday. People are a little scared. We've got ways to help you. We want to help. And people have been, I had somebody ask me today, he says, are we at the bottom? I said, if we're not at the bottom, we're close. But uh, we got some ways to protect you. So if you're worried about your investments, 
and you're thinking, you know, am I right time to get back in? Or what do I do if I'm in, but I'm down? Let's talk. I can figure out a way to help you. We want to be your partner. OHGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Both. OHGKS.com. That's what I said. OHGKS.com. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of, yeah. Love it. Uh, I'm enjoying some red wine tonight. I could tell. Yes. Uh, Bo, uh, let's start out with the uh, picks this week. Uh, Last week, you had a nice week, seven, two, and one. Mm -hmm. Tom, not so great, four, five, and one. Uh, And I went six, three, and one. Standings, I'm I'm the top dog right now, 11, eight, and one. You guys are tied for second at 10, nine, and one. Here are the slate of games this week. Uh, The college side. Not as bad as what people think, by the way. Number 11, Michigan State against Washington in Seattle. Washington favored by three and a half. Miami and Texas A&M. Number 13, Miami. Number 24, Texas A&M. A&M favored five and a half. Number 12, BYU. Number 25, Oregon. Oregon favored three and a half. Number 22, Penn State. And Auburn, Penn State favored by three on the road. And Texas Tech. Coming off a win against Houston, taking on number 16, NC State. NC State favored by 10. On the NFL side, Chargers and Chiefs on Thursday night football. The first ever Amazon exclusive game on Thursday night football. Chiefs favored by four. Bucks taking on the Saints. Bucks favored by three. Titans taking on the Bills. Bills favored by 10. Vikings and Eagles. Eagles favored by two. And then the Cardinals and Raiders, that game in Las Vegas. Las Vegas favored by five and a half. So, Bo, let's start with the college games this week. Michigan State and Washington. There wasn't much expectation for Michigan State, but here they are, 2-0, and and somehow they find themselves number 11 in the country. Bo, what do you think of this game? You know, this is a tough one. I think all the college games are a little tough this week. Um, I like Michigan State plus the points. Uh, I would like – Washington at home if this were a later game. It's a 6 o'clock start. Uh, like Michigan State, they'll still be – it's not too late for those guys going west. I think that home field piece – the better team is Michigan State right now. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's so hard early in the season to really diagnose a lot of these things. It does seem like Michigan State's kind of stumbled into being the 11th ranked team in the country. That's perfect but way Washington, to describe it, yeah. Yeah, they're not great. But Washington's not good either, and I, I I like the better team. I would like this game better for Washington if it was later. If it was that late night West Coast game, I'd probably lean toward Washington. But give me three and a half. The hook may be the difference there. I'm going to go with Michigan State here. I don't think either one of these teams are very good. But Michigan State, I think, is the better team, and they're an underdog. I got to go uh, Sparta here. Tom, who you got? Yeah, I got to go Michigan State, too. But I do like what Bo said about if it was a late-night game out there, then maybe I could see that. Um, but I got to go Michigan State until they prove me wrong. 13 Miami taking on 24 Texas A&M. A&M favored by five and a half. The Aggies coming off an upset loss at home to App State last week. Bo, how did the Aggies respond? I think they're going to respond by actually scoring some points this week. I, I They have not offensively, they have not been right. Not in their first game either. They really were bad in the first game. They just happened to be playing Sam Houston State. Um, 
I do like AM at home. And this is more that I don't like Miami yet. Um, I think the U is going to be there at the end. I think they'll be a, a ranked team here at the end of the season. But AM needs this game more than they need air right now. If they lose this, they may lose their season. Um, I'm going to take AM minus five and a half. But personally, I would not touch this game with money. Yeah. I don't think looking at this game, you can confidently pick one way or the other. No, I AM agree. is a team that should be better than what their record indicates. They have no they there's no reason why they should have lost to App State at home last week. But Miami, you know, that this is a team with a new head coach, rebuilding and everything. I think that that program has a lot of potential, but this isn't that year for them. I'll go with the home team. I'll, I'll take AM, but I don't say that with a lot of confidence at all. Tom, how about you? Yeah, if this was in Miami, I would take the U, but uh, I mean, I'm with you all on that, that I wouldn't be touching this game with money. And, and I think it's going to be a great game, but I, Texas A&M has, has, to, has to have this game. Uh, they have to win. Bo, this next game is my favorite of the college picks this week. I think BYU as a three-and-a-half-point dog is easy money. BYU looked good last week against Baylor in that win. Oregon played like cheeks against Georgia week one. Bo Nix, you have said for a long time, is not a good quarterback. I like BYU to go to Austin Stadium and, and get the upset, not only to cover – the three-and-a-half-point margin as a dog, but to win outright. Give me BYU here. How about you? I 100% agree. This is wrong team favorite. Oregon has been on the downslope since their victory last season against Ohio State. They have played poorly since. They stumbled out the rest of the season. They stumbled out late in the season. They haven't looked good yet this season. I don't know why they're still ranked. They've played really poorly. And BYU – I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with beating Baylor. Again, this is a Baylor team that I thought was excellent. BYU had a chance to win that game at the end of the game, the end of the first overtime, they didn't win it in the second OT. But uh, BYU solid. They're a good, tough-nosed team. This game may not be close. I'll take BYU. All right. Uh, Tom, you riding with the uh, the Cougars? You know, I'm going to go with the Mormons. I don't know if they'll win this game, but the three and a half is good enough for me. I don't think that if Oregon wins, they win by more than three. Uh, I, I like the easy money bet here. If I was going to put money on a game this week, this one might be it. I I, I don't want to be that guy that starts picking the new Big 12 already, but BYU, you know they've had to build some confidence uh, over the past couple of weeks, and especially that game in Provo last Saturday. BYU, if they win this, they're down to their last few tough games, relatively speaking, are Cincinnati or yeah, uh, or Arkansas rather, Arkansas, uh, Stanford, and Boise State. I mean, all of a sudden they pull this one off. BYU starts to turn their attention to the playoff discussion. Um, number 22, Penn State on the road at Auburn. Penn State favored by three here. Bo, what do you think? This was the hardest game for me to call out of the college games. Um, 
Reluctantly, I'm going Penn State minus the three. Auburn can win this game if they get a great game from their quarterback, TJ Finn. I just, I'm not sold on Auburn yet. Let me see how Finley plays tonight. Remember when you told me TJ Finley was the next Jamarcus Russell? That's true. But he's he's also got a lot of physical skills like Jamarcus Russell did. They're the same type of player. The physical and at the college level, that physical skills alone can get you some places. I don't. I think in the end, the better coaching staff, the better team, the depth is with Penn State. I like Penn State, and I'll reluctantly lay the three here. I'm just not sold on Auburn yet. I got to see something from Auburn before I'm willing to pick them. What you pointed to, coaching. That's the difference for me. I'll take James Franklin over Brian Harson any yeah. day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, Auburn is a mess. I don't think Penn State's that great of a team either, but I think that they can uh, get this done on the road. I'll go Penn State to cover three. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I, I think Penn State's had a little bit of some scares, but I think they'll be okay. Uh, I like Penn State here. All right. So we're all in agreement four for four so far through the first four games. Last college game, Texas Tech taking high NC State. Texas Tech pulled off an overtime win against Houston. They did so with a backup quarterback, NC State, uh, a popular pick for breakout team going into 2022. NC State, 10-point favorite at home. Bo, too many points here? What do you think? I think it's too many points. Um, I watched that that Texas Tech-Houston game last week. And I, Houston's a good team. They lost that game. Uh, Texas Tech won it because Dana Holgerson can't call an offense. And uh, from there, I just, I think Houston's good. But I look at that and I go, well, Texas Tech beat them at home. But they did what they were supposed to do. They held the home. I don't know that North Carolina, NC State's better than anybody by 10 points. There's a team that hasn't beaten uh, hasn't won a game against a non uh, against a Power Five non-conference team in four or five years. Five years, I think it is. I looked it up. I was looking up. I saw re- reading some stuff about the game. I just I like Texas Tech with the points here. I it seems like a lot to lay if, if it's NC State. I'm oh. going Texas Tech here too. Uh, I've been impressed with Joe McGuire so far. Their new head coach uh, through a couple of games here. I know Dave Doran's a good coach, but ten points, uh, too many. Too many here. Uh, I don't know if Tech wins. In fact, I, I'd actually say they probably don't win. But I don't see NC State winning by ten. Give me the Red Raiders. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I don't. I don't see NC State winning by ten either. If anything, I could see this game as a push. Um, I don't trust Tech to win it, but I do trust them to not lose by more than ten. Okay, so we're all in agreement on college picks. Let's see if we get some separation in the NFL. Thursday night football, Chargers and Chiefs in Kansas City. Both teams looked good week one with the Chargers beating the Raiders, the Chiefs beating the Cardinals. Uh, the game's in KC. Chiefs are favored by four here. Bo, I know you picked the Chargers to win the division. Do you have them getting it done in Kansas City week two? I'm scared with the Keenan Allen injury. Keenan Allen's out. Um, there was another – one of their defensive backs is 50-50. Having said that, I'm taking the four. I'm taking the Chargers, and I'm going to take the four points. Okay. We have our first disagreement of the show. Um, I figured that was coming. 
I loved what I saw from the Chiefs last week. And I did too. What did we talk about, Ball, about Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill? That he was going to be more efficient. He was going to get more guys involved. Might not be as many big play drives, but they're going to take care of the football and they're going to be just fine. And they were. Um, that Chiefs team is still going to be good. I think this is one of those deals, Bo, where they split the series. I would put my money on the Chargers to win in L.A. and the Chiefs to win this game in Kansas City. I'll go with the Chiefs to win and cover that four-point margin here. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I liked what I seen from the Chiefs last week, too, and I think they keep it rolling this week at Arrowhead. Uh, Chargers, I wouldn't say struggled necessarily with um, the Raiders, but it was – it was it was a decent game, and I like the Chiefs to just keep keep it rolling. I I think the Chiefs have something here. All right, ball uh, Bucks and Saints. Bucks favored by three. Tom Brady disappeared again. Um, what 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 do you make of this game here? I mean, the Saints did not look too hot last week in their win against the Falcons, but this stuff with Brady. And all that is so odd. Yeah. I, I I said it before. I'll say it again. I think the whole thing is Brady didn't – I think he wanted to retire, and he just – I think this whole thing is about him retiring again. I think he's going to finish the season, but I didn't think the Bucks played well against the Cowboys. I watched every, I watched every snap of both these two teams' games past week. The Saints' defense looked great. The Saints' offense looked incredible in the fourth quarter and late third quarter. Um, they also hit. They also hit a couple times in the early parts of the game with a little change of pace, bringing in Taysom Hill and running some RPO stuff. The the, the Bucks' offense looked stagnant. Brady didn't look good. The Cowboys are trash. That's why they. That's why they won that game. You tried to tell me they had a better roster than the Bucs. I not now. I, I don't think either of those two teams are very good right now. And that may be me over exaggerating, but at the same time, I, I I don't know how good anybody is, but I'm taking the Saints plus three here. And I think the Saints are gonna win this game. Saints have had the uh, Bucks number as of late, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they, they shut them out once last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Tampa Bay here, uh, even with all the problems that, you know, have, have plagued this team and with this whole Brady, you know, where is he thing and all this, um, I still think they find a way, uh, you know, find a way to get it pulled together and get it done. I'll go with a Tampa to win and cover the three point margin. Tom, how about you? Yeah. You know, I picked Dallas last week and, uh, maybe I, was remiss in doing that. I shouldn't have done that. Um, so I'm not going to pick against Tampa Bay again. I do like the Saints' defense. I think this is going to be a good game. Um, but I will go with Tom Brady for now until he until he proves me wrong. I'm not super confident in it. But Monday Night Football doubleheader. We'll pick both games. We'll start with Titans-Bills. Bills favored by 10 at home in Buffalo after – a hell of a win last week against the Rams. Bo, what what do you think about uh, this matchup here? Buffalo favored by ten. It's a lot of points in the NFL game. They won by a lot last week. They did, and they're they perfectly, They're perfectly capable of doing it again. 
The Bills are the best team in the NFL. I I just can't lay 10 points in any game. Again, I wouldn't bet this game with a free bet. But if I'm going to bet it, if I got to pick it here, I'll take the Titans plus 10. That's just a lot of points. Same here. I'm going with the Titans plus 10. And, and the, the reason why for me, Bo, with Derrick Henry, they should be able to slow the game down. It should not be able to get to a 10-point margin. You I would mean, think so. This here, this is what here's what I look at it both the Bucks or the Bucks the Bills could outplay the Saints from start to finish and win by eight or nine. I mean, like we could sit back and say they dominated, and it's still not ten. Uh, I'll go with uh, Tennessee to cover here. I like the Bills to win, obviously. Yeah, you, Tom? Ten? Go ahead, go ahead, Tom. You know, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Bills here. I liked what I've seen from their defense last week. I know that Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are even put together, don't even come close to Derrick Henry. Uh, but Titans, I didn't think, looked very good last week. We'll see if they can get Robert Woods the ball more. I think that Bills defense too good. I don't think Tennessee's defense is good enough to stop Josh Allen. Um, if the Rams couldn't, I don't think the Titans are going to be able to. Uh, give me the Bills at home, that minus 10. I, I'm going with them. Okay. Yeah, right, let me go. jump in real quick. I, I think this has got backdoor cover all over. <laughs> this, the Bills are going to win this game. They're probably going to dominate this game. But this has just got backdoor cover all over. You know, right. the 16-point lead becomes a 9-point lead at the end of the game. That's what I'm saying. The other Monday night game, Vikings and Eagles. The Eagles favored by two here. Both offenses looked really good last week between these two teams. Eagles are at home here. Bo, this is a sneaky good game. This is. Minnesota played better last week than any team that I expected, that I didn't expect. I did not expect the Vikings to beat the Packers. I really didn't expect them to beat them the dominant way in which they did. But I'm telling you, the Eagles are good. I mean, they're not just they're the, you know, NFC East good. They're not just the class of the division. They're legit. And I like the Eagles. I'm willing to lay two. I, I just, I'm on the board with the Philadelphia Eagles being the, the best team in the division and one of the best teams in the NFC. This was the hardest game for me to pick of the entire slate, this Vikings-Eagles game. Um, I really could go either way, but – I think I like the Vikings offense a little bit more than I do Phillies. Um, with Justin Jefferson, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. I think he's a better passer than Jalen Hurts is. I'll go with uh, the Vikings to cover that two-point margin as an underdog. Tom, how about you? See, that's, that's different. From what I've seen from the Vikings, oh, the Eagles, I think obviously now though they – if the Eagles don't win the division now, then then move the team. Just yeah. fire everybody, move the team. Uh, the Eagles will have a cakewalk through that division. I still think they win the division and could potentially have a top two spot because their schedule is going to be so easy. They're not going to win this one against the Vikings, though. Okay, so you're going Minnesota here. Yep. And you like them to straight up win, not just cover. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's what, two points? I mean, yeah, All right. yeah I, I'll take them. 
Last one here, Arizona and Las Vegas. Vegas favored by five and a half here. Bo, your favorite quarterback, Derek Carr, played like crap last week. Three picks. He's he's off. He's off. Um, and he's going to be awful again this week after the Cardinals. This is – you're going to give me the Cardinals plus five and a half against – look, after Derek Carr, it's a pretty good team. But I don't trust Derek Carr. I think it's the biggest mistake the Raiders have made is keeping Derek Carr when there was other options. There was a better option in-house. So give me the Cardinals. Give me the five and a half. I'm good. I'm straight. Five and a half. Uh, yeah, I go with Arizona here. Their offense looked good last week um, despite losing to, to Kansas City. They, they were able to move the football and put up points. And they Vegas. don't have DeAndre Hopkins still. Don't have Hopkins, but Hollywood Brown's there, and they got some yeah. other options. Uh I like Arizona to cover this one. Uh, I don't know who wins. I could see it going either way. I guess I'd lean towards Vegas, but um, five and a half, too many points. Give me Arizona here. Tom, how about you? I think this is a touchdown game either way, and I think this is a toss-up. I, I think whoever wins, I think it's seven points, and uh, I'm going to have to go with the home team here. I'm going with Vegas. Okay. So there you have it. We were all in agreement on college football picks. But a lot of disagreement on the NFL side of things. So there's our picks for this week. All right, Bo, uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on in the football fix this week. Yeah. With week one in the NFL in the books, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the start of the NFL season so far? I think that a lot of teams suffered from not having a real preseason. I think a lot of teams didn't look prepared. I think a lot of teams. Denver especially. Get, I mean, that was a fiasco. Um, I think that not, and especially the quarterback point, if I wanted to spotlight one thing, it would be the poor quarterback play across the board in the NFL last week. I mean, really and truly, the only quarterback that I thought played spectacular was Patrick Mahomes. Other than that, I don't think any quarterback played particularly well. Lamar Jackson had a good game. Um, but I don't think it may be like, and Mahomes played all three preseason games. Yeah. And I think now you got to see, you're going to have to play a preseason game. And I think if you look, I mean, we look at teams like you know, the Bengals didn't play well. Burrow had the certain appendectomy didn't play in the preseason. Um, uh, you look at the saints, they didn't play Winston much. He didn't play well. If you look at, um, I'm trying to find out the, um, you know, Russell Wilson didn't play much in the preseason. Look what happens there. Yeah, didn't play at all. It, yeah, and and you know Brady didn't play well, and he didn't play well. I I really think that's a big deal. And if you look, I overall my overall take of the whole thing was that the quarterback play in the league was really poor across the board. We saw lots of upsets. You know, obviously there was what five or six point spread upsets that were outright winners. Plus the tie between the Colts and the Texans. Um, I mean, that's just Matt Ryan being Matt Ryan again. You know, it just that was ridiculous. I'm just shocked. I was shocked by the play. I mean, even even Aaron Rodgers didn't look right, and a, a lot of guys around Rodgers didn't look right, but he didn't look right either. Right. I I look at this week, and it's so easy to overreact week one to week two 
So we'll know a lot more about teams in seven days than we will right now. But, man, there are some teams that if they don't play well this week and next, their season's done. I mean, the Cowboys season's over already. Um, I, I'm thinking about teams like the Commanders. I mean, they, I mean, the, the Commanders are going to lose to the Lions. The Lions are going to beat them this week. Um, the Patriots are going to probably, I think the Patriots are going to lose to the Steelers. And I think that that's a bad team with a bad quarterback situation now. Uh, I look at uh, the teams and games I'm looking at. Uh, Ravens, Dolphins, I think it's going to be a really good game this week. It's one I actually am going to take a look at. Um, take a look at what the Rams do this week. That's the one thing I think I think will just pop right back to where they need to be. But watch who plays well week two. It didn't play well week one. That'll let you know who's right and who's not. And it's it's a week-to-week league. I mean, yeah. some of these teams we talk about struggling, you watch this very next week are going to turn things immediately around and look like a whole different team night and day. And yeah. some of the teams that look great this past week are going to look bad next week. That's what happens in this yeah. game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Joe, Burrow, like that. Joe Burrow's not going to have four turnovers this week. Five, actually. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen. Um, and, and things like that, and and again, I I, I don't think Derek Carr is going to play as bad as he did last week. Um, I just, you know, I just think we're going to see a lot of teams that aren't well prepared, right? Because of the the, the lack of preseason games, and that's what we've got now. We're going to run a seventeen game schedule. We ain't going back to four preseason games. These teams are going to have to figure out what they have to do to get their teams ready. And not just not get hurt. Right. And not just manage injuries. That's going to be a big deal in next year's preseason. I mean, you think you brought off the Ravens. Then they luck out facing the Jets and Joe Flacco. I mean, yeah. they didn't yeah. play any of their starters in the preseason. And they got to use the Jets as a warm-up game. And yeah. if they would have played, I don't know, let's say Cincinnati, then – who knows what would have happened? You know, I mean, like the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Now, I want to start with uh, with the Cowboys. Dak gets hurt. He's going to be out at least six weeks, potentially longer here. Dallas says they're going to go with Cooper Rush. Do you see them making a move for a quarterback, or do you think that they continue with the rush until Dak comes back? You know, so six weeks, I was looking at it earlier. I mean, they got games in there against the Rams. They got the Bengals this week. They got the Eagles. They've got three games in the division out of those six. And in the six games, the Lions, who is going to be no pushover. If it does go out to eight weeks, then you list, you miss games against the Bears and the Packers. I would think that what the Cowboys really have to do is, is fight a veteran. they got to find someone to come in and write the ship. Why they didn't have that in the first place, I don't understand. I mean, if you're a contending team, you should have that. It, yeah. it tells me that they knew their roster was going to fall off and that they didn't expect to be a Super Bowl contending team. If, right. if they're not going to even try to bring in a quarterback, whether that's Jimmy Garoppolo or anything else, um, you know, you got to try. But in my book, if the Cowboys do not bring in a veteran right now, their season is over. Yeah. Because they're not going to win 
three of the next six games. And they're going to need to go 500 while Dak is out. Right. I'm not sure they could have gone, now that I look at it and saw what I saw this past week, I'm not sure they would have gone 500 with Dak. I was, they were the team that I felt was the most, but I really wanted to believe in them a little bit, but I don't believe in Mike McCarthy. But they were the team that I was the least impressed with in week one. Um, If the Cowboys were to acquire a quarterback, I've seen Teddy Bridgewater's name come up, Jimmy G, Tyler Huntley. Who would be the guy that you would recommend them making a move for? I wouldn't bring in Jimmy G. I I think if you can get Teddy Bridgewater, that's a really good choice. He has been a good quarterback who can get you – you know, fifty percent of the games are win. He can, he can get you. He can get you about you five hundred for six to eight weeks, and that's what they really need right now. And because they do have a, the Cowboys do have a late schedule run against some bad teams. They could go on. They get Dak back and healthy. They could go on a run and get to the playoffs. Out of the three you just mentioned, I think I'd go Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and I think that he also would fit their offense best. He would. The closest is a replacement to Dak Prescott's skill set you could find. I think Teddy should still be a starter in this week, quite frankly. I, I think he's a really good player. I've I've been a fan of his for a while. I, I know that he looked great on Monday night, but I'd take Teddy over Geno Smith right now. You know, I, I couldn't disagree with you, but I think week to week, I, I have to see how they fit my, my team. But I think they're both capable. Yeah, I thought Geno played great Monday night. That came out of left field. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see him playing that well. No, no. I think he's underrated. I think he's been underrated his whole career. But they wrote think- they wrote him off, and he ain't riding back. <laughs> he ain't riding back. I like that. It's a good line. With I- uh, since you mentioned Seattle uh, and with Geno Smith and everything, Pete Carroll finally getting to do what he's wanted of be a run first team, not the whole let Russ cook thing, and. They actually didn't run the football a whole lot. I mean, they passed more than they ran the ball. But now going forward and seeing them have a game plan that worked, um, you think Pete Carroll can can do this? Is is this a a plan going forward for Seattle being a run first team? Can this work with this system here? I I don't know. I mean, does the system can the system work? Yes. But can it work with that team in that division? No. They can't win the division with that. Not, not in the right. division with the Rams. I mean, that's the thing. I, they're not good enough a team to be to compete with the Rams in that case. Right. But they the Niners. Yeah. And, and well, I don't know what the Niners. Again, I'm not sold on that that dog either. Last um, looked awful. They looked up and, and a lot of that might have been the weather. I don't know. I, I don't have a good feel on the 49ers. Yeah. But I also don't – I think Pete Carroll completely outcoached the Broncos. I, the Broncos, I mean – Nathaniel Hackett, like, you pay Russ all that money, you don't go for it in fourth and five? I, I That was a huge mistake. But you have the two – and you have the two fumbles in the one on the on the goal line, essentially, right. uh, effectively. But at the same time, he's trying to run an offense that's Aaron Rodgers' offense. They're, they're running with Aaron Rodgers is. Yeah. Russell Wilson does not have Aaron Rodgers' skills. No. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' throwing ability. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' ability to read defenses. 
it, it it may not be the good fit in the moment. Now they're going to change some things up for Russ, and Russ is going to look a lot better in six weeks. But this is a situation, especially like we were talking about earlier, when why wouldn't you have played him a whole bunch in the preseason? But let him get used to that offense. I, it, it there's going to be growing pains for some of these teams for quite some time, and they're one of Broncos are going to have some growing pains. Right. Yeah. In Seattle, yeah. Like, like you're back to your original question. That offense, they'll be in games. I just don't know they can get the job done to the playoffs. Certainly. I, right. But they may not be the two and fifteen team a lot of us thought they might be. Uh, a couple more things, then we'll move on to college football here. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't get the contract deal done. Um, they offered to make him the second highest paid quarterback in the league, but didn't get him the guaranteed money he wanted. He wanted guaranteed money similar to Deshaun Watson. He ultimately said no. Now he says that he's not negotiating during the season. Um, if the Ravens end up having to franchise tag him, that'll cost him about $40 million next year. Are they really going to play this back and forth here? I mean, are they going to play grab ass with each other, you know, over the next several months? I mean, eventually there's got to come a, a point, Bo, right, where it's, okay, either get me a deal done or trade me. When's that breaking point going to be? I don't think they'll trade it, not during the season now. No, no, and no, I mean after this season. After right? the season, yeah, I think that you'll see something happen on that in that, in that case. But I just don't see – I think that Lamar Jackson is doing the right thing for him in the idea of saying, I want Deshaun's contract. I know we've argued a lot about this, but in the end, Deshaun may be right. And he, he won't be the only one that gets, I mean, I think there's two or three of them that are going to. And I think that when it comes down to it, the outlier that is, that's what they're calling it. The outlier on uh, Deshaun Watson's deal, I don't think that's an excuse. I think if a team won't pay their quarterback, and I understand what the problem is. The problem is when you guarantee that contract, you have to put that money in escrow per the salary cap in the CBA. And some teams just can't afford it. Now, the Browns didn't have that problem because Jimmy Haslam's got more money than God. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. If Lamar keeps playing well, he's just betting on himself. The last guy that bet on himself like this was Dak, and Dak got the bag. Yeah. Lamar's going to get the bag too. I, and I, I, mean, I hope he does. I hope that he goes out there and plays his ass off and gets it done. I do too. I hope so. I'm rooting for him. Um, Chiefs, we mentioned, looked – like they hadn't skipped a beat with Lamar Jackson uh, or with Lamar Jackson, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, without Tyreek Hill there and everything. Um, is there any chance that this offense will be better without Tyreek Hill and with the weapons they have now and how this is going to operate? Is this going to pay? Is this? Is there any chance this offense can be better in 2022 than it was in 2021? Okay, I've talked to you about this, like, I think off the air. I don't think I've mentioned this on the air, and I know I've mentioned it on my podcast. I think the Chiefs are absolutely doing the right thing. They could not sign Tyreek Hill 
and Travis Kelsey to long-term contracts. The cap just wasn't going to allow for it. So they made the deal to keep Kelsey and to go ahead and let Tyreek go. The smart thing they did was bringing in guys like Valdez Scantling, the head Juju uh, 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 Smith-Schuster, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is now healthy. They've got pieces. Now, there's going to be a regression at some point this season. Mahomes is not going to play this well every week. But in the end, even if he regresses a little this season, this is going to make him a better quarterback because he doesn't have that excuse that, um, you know, draw it up in the dirt kind of thing that he's always done with Tyreek. Right. It's then made him use his physical skills because as he gets older, he's not going to be able to rely as heavily on those skills. And I don't mean today. I mean, in, you know, five years from now, you know, when he gets the backside of the prime of his career. This is going to elongate his career, and it's going to make him a better QB. It's also going to – remember all those problems they had last year of the quarterback coach and and in the, in the, in the, um, the OC and the head coach and the quarterback are all pissed about who's calling plays and whatnot. Boy, they're all in harmony now because Mahomes does not have the deep threat to get him out of jams. He's got to listen to the coaching staff. QB coach is gone. You got an OC and Eric Bieniemy who's making the play calls, and Andy Reid has a Waffle House menu as well. So it's going to come down to. It's going to help Mahomes become a smarter and more efficient quarterback. I liken it to Dan Marino early in his career. Marino was dropping back forty times, just letting him rip, letting him rip, letting him rip. The longer he got in his career, he had to make that adjustment. John Elway had the same thing in his career. And if you look, John Elway was almost more effective in the end of his career because of a run game and an offensive philosophy. That's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes as well. And I think that Patrick Mahomes, he may not be the best this season. In week one, obviously, he played incredible. He's not going to play that great every week. And he may have a spot. Chiefs fans might get pissed. From week 6 to 12, let's say. God, he doesn't look good. Or he doesn't look just right. But at the end of the season, and in 2023 and 2024, he's going to be even better. Because he's learning how to play football. And learning how to play offensive football and not just throw it around to my two buddies who get me out of trouble. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. I liken it to... He's going to become more like Rodgers. Yeah. And that's better for Mahomes if Mahomes wants to play past 35. And how many receivers has Rodgers lost over his career? Yeah. I mean, really and truly, uh, he's had one great receiver. Rodgers is. He's right. had, he had Devontae Adams. But he may help make Devontae Adams. Right. As Mahomes has helped make Kelsey and Tyreek Hill better. Yeah. And these guys who are with him now, they're good receivers. And they know their roles. And they're not trying to be something they're not. This is good for the Kansas City Chiefs in the long run. Yeah. And if they can do it and they make this if they make this adjustment this season, they might be the best team in the league. I mean, they, they could be – it's them in Buffalo again. 
again, I, that's why I like what Buffalo is right now because Josh Allen's not just playing physical ball. He's playing the offense. Right. Mahomes doing the same thing. I, I In the long run, it's better for Mahomes. It's better for the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, last thing of the NFL. Tonight we begin a maiden voyage in the NFL, the first of – Many Thursday night football games exclusively on Amazon. Um, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, Kaylee Hartung going to do the uh, broadcast. And uh, I, one of the things I, I love from what I've seen just in the early stuff from Amazon is that they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're trying to enhance the wheel. Um, you know, just all the little things like they have the football ideas right. And mm-hmm. and as far as like the you know, trying to find the broadcast goes and all that. I mean, Bo, we've seen a lot of Thursday night games over the years on NFL Network. And, I mean, Prime Video, quite frankly, is easier to access than NFL Network is. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, I- I'm excited about this. I'm I'm excited to see Thursday night football and, and taking this new avenue. I mean, we've seen the NFL when it comes to when they brought Fox along and what that did for the league. When they were doing primetime games and when they started Monday night football, Sunday night football, and what that did for the league here. Here's the NFL. Not only are they taking unfamiliar territory with this Amazon deal, but also this is the by far the biggest in all of sports. You know, you, you've seen the MLB dabble with Peacock and Apple, you know, with, with some minor deals. and um, But nothing – close to even this deal we're about to see. I mean, college football, the Big Ten negotiated all their contracts, and they barely got any games on Peacock or anything like that. I mean, this is the NFL stepping out and doing what no one else is doing here. Yeah, so I find it interesting. Amazon, you talk about the Big Ten thing. Amazon offered the Big Ten more money for each deal than they, than they got. But the Big Ten was afraid of the online piece. I looked this up. Amazon has 147 million Prime members in the United States. It's one in three Americans have Prime. Back in July of this year was the first month in history that more people streamed their TV service than had cable. The NFL is ahead of the game, and Amazon's the perfect companion. Because you don't have to pay for an extra service. How many you're not of charging have additional money if you're no, a prime member? You, just you have got to it. have prime. And my grand, you know, I don't have a grandmother now, but before she died, my grandmother had prime. My wife's grandmother, they have prime. They're 80 years old. They have prime. And they have prime because they like to buy stuff. It gets, you know, we all get shipped to us the next day or two days later. This all comes with it. Amazon is smart, and they're going to do this the right way. They're doing this the right way by saying, we're going to bring in the best football people we can. They've they've gone ape who they're bringing. I mean, obviously, they got Al Michaels. The they best. hired the greatest play-by-play football broadcaster of all time. Then they went and got his executive producer. They went and got the guy that he's worked with at NBC for the last decade right, to produce the shows. So now he's comfortable. And you've got the best there's ever been at calling football. And, and we know Herbie's phenomenal. And you know Herb Street's good. And, <laughs> and they're going to have some chemistry, it looks like. And, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. In the long run, it's a great deal. And 
it's going to make this to where we're going to see this happen everywhere with everything in the next few years. Streaming is going to be everywhere. Um, you know, we talked a lot about this on my podcast. The average American has at least between, between three and four streaming services already. We counted my house with six. Ridiculous. But we got them all because we don't have cable anymore. And we can't. And Amazon is, is super smart in doing this. That gets their foot in the door. They're probably going to either them or Apple's going to end up with Sunday ticket next season when that ha- when that contract comes up. And if it is Amazon and they include it in Prime, what a deal that is. So it, it's going to be interesting. You know it's going to be done well. I mean, Amazon doesn't short anything they do. They do it well. They do everything well. The production people they're using are the best they can get. It's produced in, by NBC, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and they went and got these people, and it's yeah. This is going to be amazing what they pull off. And it's you not can, like they've gone in here on Amazon. Gonna, go, go ahead, Tom. You can even find Jones on Amazon now. Yeah. You know, it's funny that with Amazon is doing in the NFL what Fox did when they first got the NFC. People were upset. When they went, when the NFC went from CBS to Fox, and there was a short period where it was, you know, um, at the time I think it was NBC had the had the AFC and CBS had the NFC, yeah. yeah. And so, and people were like, "Oh my, this isn't going to be good. They're going to half-ass this. What is this?" I mean, there, there wasn't even a Fox affiliate in every market at that. No, time. but what did they do? The first thing they did was they hired John Madden. And they was so we're going to do this first class the entire way because the NFL, and that's what Amazon's done. Instead of John Madden, they went and got Herb Street and and then Michaels. Their pregame show is loaded with people. I haven't even seen the whole list. I mean, it's have you seen that list? I'm sure you. Yeah, have. Um, Richard Sherman, Andrew Whitworth, uh, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony G, Carissa Thompson. I mean, it's. It's loaded. It's loaded with people who know their stuff. It's going to be first class all the way. I mean, I, I saw Whitworth on there a couple weeks ago. I'm like, he's damn good. He's going to be great on TI. And, and that's the thing. Is there's, this is going to be, I think this is going to be the first of many things. And the, to your point earlier about the last two to three seasons with the with those games being on NFL Network, People were already complaining about not being able to find the games. NFL Network's in like 80 million homes, prime what you said, 150? 147 million prime members. Yeah. That means all you got to do is have the app, turn it on your TV, stream it from your phone. Yeah. That's what we're going to. I mean, it's where it's all going. Right. More people stream television today than they do get cable. It's Uh, close, but it's the... In July, that happened. The numbers were there. Real quick, uh, on the college football front, I know yeah. we spent a lot of time talking NFL, but on the uh, NFL side of things, on the uh, college football side of things, um, Georgia, I think, is right now far and away the best team in the country two weeks in. Um, last year, at the end of the regular season, before the SEC championship game, you and I said it was Georgia and then it was everyone else. Yeah. Alabama did not look good in that game against Texas. I know they found a way to win, but the way Georgia looked week one where they're at, I know it's early, 
But Kirby Smart and company, the ball's still rolling there. I mean, that that's yeah. the team to beat right now. Well, they're number one now in the AP poll, and they're very close in the coaches' poll. Um, I, I mean, they're going to keep winning. So will Alabama. Um, and then Ohio State's going to keep winning. I, I think we'll see those three rise to the top, and then there'll be a fourth wild card team in there. We'll see who it is. But we're certainly looking going going forward to a Georgia Alabama SEC championship game. And I do tend to think right now, if I had to pick one, I, I think I've come around a little bit that it might be Georgia. I think in the end, I like Alabama's quarterback play better. Right. I like Georgia's defense better now. And and I don't know. I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think Georgia is the best team. I think that that was the worst played Alabama game that I've seen under Nick Saban since his first year. Even worse than that national championship when they got blown out against Clemson. Yeah, they played bad. I mean, I don't think Texas is very good, and they and they damn near lost that game. I mean, it they should have, for all intents and purposes, lost that game. Yeah. And they're lucky they have a Bryce Young to go in there and, and and take them down the field there in that fourth quarter. He played incredible on the last drive. But, yeah, I, I'm also on the record that I thought going into the season, this would be Saban's last season. I thought he looked tired after their game against Texas. It looked like I, he I, didn't want to be there. Yeah, I, he doesn't. And I know he just signed a nine-year extension. There's no way he's finished a nine-year extension. No, that that's a recruiting tool. Well, man, I just don't see. I don't see how much longer he can go. I, I know I'm in the minority on that, but he's 70 years old, and I just don't think he wants to deal with some of this anymore. And I think that might have been a game that. Let's see how Bama plays the next four or five weeks. Yeah, they got they got no cakewalk of a schedule either. Bo's ready to put Saban out to pasture. Well, I mean, think about it. They've got, okay, I'm looking at Bama's schedule. They've got University of Monroe, Louisiana Monroe. They got Vanderbilt. Those are two easy wins. But then they got to go to Arkansas. A&M is obviously not as good as we thought they were. They got to go at Tennessee. They got to go at LSU later in the year. Auburn always plays them hard. You know, there's no guarantee they get through that. And what's always been the steady in factor has been the old man. And I've never seen him look like he looked at the end of that game against Texas. Yeah, he had looked like he had a friggin' uh, cheap scotch hangover. He he, that's well put because he did not <laughs> look good. He didn't look like he was not just unhappy with the performance, but he looked like he had no interest in being anywhere near a football field. Well, yeah, look, when, dehydrated. He he probably had a good time on Sixth Street the night before. When they went into halftime break, you know, Tom and I were hanging out. We're at his place watching this, and I said, all right, here comes the the ass-chewing that Saban wants to give at some point early in the yeah. season halftime, and then you go out there and, you know, kick some ass, and that just didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, maybe the ass-chewing happened, but that team did not adjust. I mean, yeah. they are very lucky that they won that game. They should not have won that game. Yeah, no. Um, Go ahead. Well, every team, every championship team has that one game, that one reality check where you go, whoo, 
We escaped on that one. Maybe that was this week for Alabama, but I'm not sure. I, I'm i not going to be sure for about another month. Yeah. These next two games aren't going to tell us. They're going to win these next two games about 40. Right. But uh, we'll know. We're going to know when they play Arkansas. Because I'll right. tell you right now, that's a team that ain't backing down from them. Right. That that bastard, that, that guy is great. Oh, He's done a great job. Yeah. I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to war with that guy. So. Well, yeah. Last question. We'll end on this. Uh, the SEC sent a directive to Georgia and Tennessee to cancel their non-conference games with Oklahoma. Um, OU has already found a new opponent to replace the Georgia series with SMU. Is the next announcement then Oklahoma's coming? Oklahoma Texas coming to the SEC in twenty twenty three? I just read this article this afternoon that they were that it was the SECs told them to. To move on along on this, I think so. I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're figuring out a way to pay this eighty million and get these two teams in, and they've got the money. So I think that I, I think that this is a. And as I'm touching my crystal ball here, Bo, here, here's how I see this all playing out. Um, ESPN buys the final year of the SEC package from CBS. That way, CBS can go all in and start their big con- Big Ten contract in full. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the SEC and CBS break up. Um, then Oklahoma and Texas can join the SEC and the ESPN contract be in place all at the same time that they all start together at the, at the same place. And the Big Ten network, or not the Big Ten network, the Longhorn network, says sayonara yeah. um that goes to help pay texas is m- buyout money to you know to, to work out a deal and then espn and there are negotiations with the big 12 on a tv contract says you have to let oklahoma and texas go early those are all the factors a lot of moving parts but that's ultimately how i see this ultimately playing out of oklahoma and texas playing in the sec next year yeah when the big t- when the big 10 made a huge deal like this for their deal i think it truncated everyone's timetable. I think everyone's moving up. I think everyone's moving in is going to be different. And I would not be surprised. Now we know that ESPN and Fox are negotiating with the Big 12. The next one between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, whoever gets that deal is the survivor. That's going to be part of that whole deal. I expect this to be the Big 12. And I'll give you one more. It ties back to what you're talking about. Don't be surprised if Amazon comes in and goes against the Big 12 and just buys it all. The hard part is that the e- that ESPN and Fox, because they open up negotiations early, all that does is extend their exclusive window. Yes. Now they have like two years essentially exclusively to negotiate yeah. without Amazon I guess that's true. being allowed in the conversation. Yeah, but if you can see – if it all worked out the way you're talking with the Oklahoma and in Texas move with everything going on, it's kind of a kingmaker situation here, right? Like Amazon can talk to the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I I suspect we're going to see Amazon come in and start trying to get some of these. I think if, if they don't go for the, the Big Twelve and the in the Pac-12, I do look for Amazon to write a humongous check for the rest of this college football playoff. 
Yeah, I think that more likely stays with ESPN and, and goes to Fox too, but we'll see. So I can see I can see Amazon the, what maybe the final four stays with ESPN and ABC, but I could see Amazon coming in and saying, We want that first round and paying more than anyone else is willing to pay. Yeah, maybe so. Well, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us as always. Check out the Coach Bono's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Tom. Take care, guys. I will say before we go, it's our Tom Fullery story of the week where Thomas Bridges takes us to somewhere ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we headed to this time? Jones, we're uh, we're going to Utah. Um, And... Let me start before I start the story. Let me just say most of you maybe listening in have probably heard of what happened um, at the Utah game this past weekend where there were two women, um, two Utah fans, both women, that had uh, painted their bodies like most men do um, with, you know, university letters or colors except they were wearing no bra and you know they walked around and obviously ended up in the University of Utah Stadium um, which means they scanned their tickets at the gate and walked right in past security and um, other you know members of the staff of the stadium uh, with no problem Utah is probably the last place I would have expected this to occur. Right. Now, if this is in Florida or California or Texas. Right. Right. You know, I I would expect this to happen in Oklahoma before I would expect it to happen in Utah, of all places. Right. Um, You know, even in Arizona, you know, maybe it, uh, you know, maybe like uh, Arizona State game, I could see this happening that. Not at Utah. Um, It would have been better if this would have been in Provo, but. Uh, uh, that's too far-fetched at that point. Um, but this comes from multiple articles about this. I chose to uh, take the outkick.com article because I like their writing style and it makes it makes it for a better Tom Fuller for y'all. So article reads, could topless female Utah fans face charges? This came out on Wednesday. Two female University of Utah fans are under investigation for having possibly entered the school's football stadium topless. I don't think there was any possibly entered. There's, I believe there's footage. Um, I did see a blurred out picture of these two um, outside the stadium at a tailgate. But from all the reports I've heard, they did go into the stadium. The two women are alleged to have entered the stadium wearing nothing but body paint covering their torso. Somehow, ATM security, who can miraculously use their metal detector to find a spent gum wrapper in your back pocket, missed these two gals. They they were either donning the greatest body paint ever, or security let that one pass the goalkeeper, intentionally or not. From the sound of it, no one in Rice Eccles Stadium paid them any mind until a Malaya Johnson spotted them. She then posted the story to her Instagram account, which is private. Johnson attended the game with her husband and two children who said she also saw the body painted glasses. I was so concerned about shielding my children from seeing that because there were only a few people in front of us 
my husband and I saw the backs of them and immediately we saw that they weren't wearing anything. And we went into panic mode as parents, Johnson told ABC4. The University of Utah says an officer told the women to put on shirts and then they did put the shirts on after they were told. It seems like this should have been at the end of it. However, police are still looking to speak with the women about what happened last weekend. The mystery of the topless youth fans deepens. There are some discrepancies between what Johnson says she saw and what others say they saw. And Jones, it all comes down to the nipples. Put on your Sherlock Holmes hats for this, folks. According to ABC4, Johnson claimed to have seen a side view of one of the women's nipples. However, puffs on pipe, other spectators observed something quite the contrary. That there were no nipples at all as the women were wandering around the stadium wearing pasties. It seems unlikely that these women would alternate between pasties and going all natural. So what is the truth? This is extremely important. Why? Because Utah has very specific lewdness laws. Did the women run afoul of Utah lewdness statute? Johnson claimed that the women were breaking the state's lewdness statute because her kids saw these women. Utah Code 769702 Section 1B says that anyone who exposes his or her genitals the female breast below the top of the areola, the buttocks, the anus, or the pubic area can be hit with a Class B misdemeanor. There's a little room for interpretation. The women would probably argue that if they had their pasties on that obscured the top of their areolas down, then what's the problem? Johnson would probably say that they were technically exposing their breasts below the areola regardless of pasties. Salt Lake City TV station KUTV Ask former police officer Chris Burbank about whether or not the women broke that statute. Certainly, it meets the requirements in the statute, however, as a police chief and one that has worked across the country to resolve the problem facing policing today, this is not a police issue, policing issue, right? We should not be the moral police, he said. Burbank said the case should be closed since the women threw some shirts on when they were asked. They were asked, they complied, the situation was over and done with. Jones, um, yeah, we know how backwards Utah can be on some things. Um, granted, I get it. I, I wanted to say in another article that I read that her kids were like 12 and 14 maybe or 11 and 13, somewhere in that vicinity range. Um, and if you're a 14-year-old now, 14-year-old boy, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'll catch some flack. I don't care. If you're a 14-year-old boy, the days of the internet like it is, chances are you've probably seen a pair of titties. And <laughs> probably not probably not just one set either. I'm, I mean, you know. you've probably seen some, some movie your teacher showed you at school. I mean, at this point, right? And so, and, and if not, listen, I can tell you at 14 that I, I Jones, I think, no, we're not going to get in the discussion when I first saw my first pair of tits. We're not. We're not going to talk about that. That can be for another day. But I can get. I was. I was not fourteen. Um, granted, these are older women. Maybe not. They weren't older. They were probably a little older than college age. Um, but at the same time, it's like okay. Like you, you've seen. There's much worse things um, that they could have seen. And if the women put shirts on, then haha. You know what? whatever you know it would be different if they were like full nude 
or something like that. You know, some people could say the double standard. Well, what if it was a man walking around with his cock out? That's way different. You know, guys get to walk around with their shirt off all the time. Um, you know, there's multiple organizations. Like there was one I seen in an article called organization called like Go Topless that looks to like desexualize women's breast over like comparing it to men's obviously we go we go topless all the time um you know and it should maybe be a big deal i get it it's utah uh maybe more religiously inclined laws more right wing for sure i get that maybe they shouldn't i mean i'm sure they were bold i'm, I'm sure they woke up when they painted their bodies in the morning so we're gonna walk around with our titties out pasties or not I'm sure they thought we're going to cause a rise, no pun intended, out of somebody today. Um, and obviously they got one. And, you know, they were asked to put shirts on, and they did. And I agree with the police officer in it that that should be the end of it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. You know, Tom, I- I'm not – I've never claimed to be woke or, uh, you know, anything like that, but – you know, as, as somebody that's, you know, moved along in uh, in society and everything, you know, I mean, I, I've always believed in the, you know, free the nipple campaign. If you want to show up to a football game like that, if men, if men can do it, then then women should get to do it too. See, that's what I'm of the opinion of. And, and I get kids go to whatever. But, you know, Jones, we've been talking about a lot of uh, activity happening at sports uh, arenas, stadiums, um, what have you, over the last couple of weeks. And and one that really comes to mind that you can compare this with is the guy getting a blowjob in the Oakland A Stadium. And I'm sure there was hella kids there too. And, you know, no one said, oh, well, yeah, you know what? My daughter seen an old girl sucking on a dick uh, at the stadium and they never got charged or, you know, they didn't really look into it that hard. Granted, that was in California, um, so maybe a little bit more common. But, I mean, it happens all the time. Um, maybe not all the time, but things like that happen. And it's just like, okay, would you rather your 14-year-old kid see a pair of boobs for a split second that girl had pasties on, and or would you rather see a legitimate sex act going on in the stadium? Like, pick your poison. Like, it could have been a lot worse. It's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they were... It's not like they came up to your son and was like, Hey, you want a picture with us? And, you know, stripper titty rubbed on them. You know, they were minding, I'm sure, their own business. Granted, they they know what they were doing, obviously. It's not a common, everyday occurrence. Um, but to, like, try to charge these women with a Class B misdemeanor ridiculous i mean would the police have much bigger better fish to fry than to be worried about a set of tits at the utah game right no one was hurt by this right right i mean you know it could have been some old man you know that painted his old willy red and ran around spinning it you know i you know it could be it could be way worse right Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tom, uh, you brought it up, so I have to have to ask. So when was the first time you did see your first pair of titties? 
I'll tell you what. When I we were playing eighth grade football, it was. I believe this was the time. I think this must have been the first, the first in real life titties that I saw. Um, eighth grade, we were practice was just ending, and these girls. I want to say that they were maybe from the other. I don't know where they were from. They were like probably our age. They weren't younger than us. They were definitely older than eighth grade. Um, and the football boys were all coming out of the locker room after practice. And the eighth grade football practice was um, down the kind of down the street from our middle school uh, within walking distance. But a lot of people caught rides with their parents or whatever to the practice. And so we would go practice and go to the locker room. Well, practice was finishing up and we we're all coming to the locker room waiting for our parents. And this group of girls, there's probably three or four of them all flashed us as they were walking by and all of us eighth grade guys were like, Oh my God, you know, we're freaking out. And so that must've been the first time. So obviously it it made such an impression on me that I'm telling it 21 years later. Uh, Well, maybe not 21 years later, I guess it would be more like, um, I don't know, 16 years later. So, you know, is it the end of the world? No, I'm sure some kids told their parents and they were like, oh, my God, da, 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 da. but, you know, at that, you know, maybe even even if the kid was, I don't know, six, seven, eight, I don't care. It's not the end of the world. It's not like they saw a full on sex scene. Right. Going on at the game. Like, you know, it's to, to charge these women with a misdemeanor. You know, if you want to ban them for the rest of the football season, if you figure out who they are, whatever. Right. To actually charge them on the record with a lewdness charge, ridiculous. The first time uh, I saw Tom, I was uh, I was in high school, uh, and the girl was uh, my next door neighbor. Um, Went over to her place, and uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. If I hope my mom isn't listening right now, and we'll just just leave it there. There you go. You know, and you know what? It didn't. It didn't hurt you. At least it I didn't. Did not hurt it. me. I was okay. Exactly. So there you go. And you know, now what? What did? Maybe the more interesting story was the first time, like, I saw video of titties. Like, I was actually, Tom, I don't know if you remember your first time you saw it, but, like, the first time I saw I was actually in the room with my parents. We were watching, like, some movie. I don't even know what the movie was. And I'm sitting there with my parents. I was some little kid. And uh, I-, I remember, like, there's this woman. Uh, she's taking a shower. And they just pan down, and there's her tits right there, nipple and everything. I'm like, what? What's this, Dad? You know, oh, and I was right there with my mom and dad, you know, like, just okay. So I didn't have to, like, you know, go find a dirty magazine or anything like that. No, the first time I was right there with my parents, a movie they picked out from. Hey, there you, there you go. I, I can't remember the first pair I ever saw on a video or anything like that. I can I can tell you, I never remember though, growing up as a kid, like sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, probably playing video games late at night or the TV was on late at night and 
I, I believe it was like MTV, maybe late at night. They'd have the infomercials. Where it was oh, the those in, yes, those infomercials, yes. Right, and you know, you'd be up and you'd be like, "Oh man, that come on and call one eight hundred sixty nine sixty nine to get hard tonight." Right, something like that, and you know, they'd have the stars over them. But I mean, that infomercial I know growing up like seemed like it went on for like ten minutes, you know, and and then every fifteen minutes after that, it'd come on again. So I, I do vividly remember that as a as you know as a young and impressionable kid in middle school, being like, "Oh, the good girls gone wild!" Commercials coming on. Right. <laughs> I, I doubt that. I doubt that runs anymore. I don't think "Girls Gone Wild" is even a thing anymore. The, the the kids these days will never be able to relate to that with him just on their streaming services, not even watching cable at two in the morning. Right, you don't even get infomercials anymore. They do. Right. I, I know a lot of older old songs too even before i started djing i knew like all the 70s 60s 70s and 80s because those infomercials used to try to sell you the mix the mix cds you know yes. all now page one two payments of 19.99 and we'll a lot send of you dollar parton cds for a gazillion we'll send you the full collection of the beatles uh bills uh willie nelson yeah old country a lot of old country a lot of old country yes and they would, they would play straight. the song. Yeah, they would play the clips of the song, and I would know those lyrics. Just it was like ingrained. It was like, uh, it was like reverse osmosis, or you know, just as you, you could even be asleep, and it would somehow you would still learn those songs. Even a small. I remember one of them. The it was it was actually the Beatles. It was Hey Jude. Yeah. They would play the Hey. It was it would just be a clip of it, like Hey Jude, don't take it bad. And that was all it played. But then I knew what that song was because of the 2 a.m. infomercials. Yes. Oh, man. Those were the days. Kids now these days, they're they're robbed of that. I might have to just watch some cable TV tonight just to see if I can stumble upon some of those ads. Right? Yeah. I don't even know what channel you'd find them on anymore. I haven't seen right? like a... You know, get- Get get a good old phone sex ad, you know, and and I haven't seen sell any me, of them. Sell me a George Foreman grill while we're at it too, you know. Yeah, right. I, the the ninja is the one I can recall seeing, maybe the most recent, or the uh, minted coins, you know. Yes, or limited edition minted coins with five percent real silver. That's good. We got to go. Uh, big thanks to Coach Bo, Harold Kuntz for joining us as well. You, the listener, for stopping by. As always, you can follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, it's Thomas, you can find us there. Subscribe to the show, new episodes out each and every Thursday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. The Studio Soapbox Network, all of our shows are in season, back, and better than ever. This show, of course, as well as Let's Go Racing with David Starr, uh, our weekly NASCAR show. Also, uh, Rod Tools with Luke Slayball. Luke's got some great stuff dialed up. The Bevo Boys are uh, all over University of Texas. And then, uh, of course, Coach Bo, who you heard earlier on with the Coach Bo Knows podcast. Check out all of our podcasts on the Studio Soapbox Network. Just search Studio Soapbox and you'll see all of our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. We got to go. 
for Dallas Bridges and our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.